are now listening to Triples in Ecstasy, a production of Holosuite Media. Tune in to our live show every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is Admiral James T. Kirk of the Federation Starship Enterprise. Your presence here is an act of war. You have two minutes to surrender your crew and your vessel, or we will destroy you. Admiral Kirk, this is your opponent speaking. Do not lecture me on treaty violations as this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. In the following podcast, there will be thoughts and opinions expressed that in no way reflect your federation, this station, website, or affiliated partners. Who is this? How dare you? Who I am is not important. Listen to discretion. Yes. You cling on, bastard. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Trips. Her ongoing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new content and new stuff, to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Hello and welcome to episode 253 of Tribbles and Ecstasy. I'm your host, Midnight Shadow, and joining me in the studio today, we've got... Wow, what a weird week we have had. Hey everybody, I'm Geese. And unfortunately, the rest of the crew are either busy working or they're stuck in sickbay. So hopefully they'll get well soon, but for now... It's just the two of us to go through this week's news. So, let's start with Star Trek Online. Star Trek Online. So, let's start with the events. Um... Ending soon on PC, we've got the anniversary event and the extra rewards for running the featured episode of Signs and Portents. So that finishes February 23rd. Um, currently going on on the console, you've got the anniversary event and of Signs and Portents as well for the featured episode rewards. They will be running until March 16th. Of course, they started some weeks after the PC. So, um, yeah, they didn't properly start until February 14th. Um, with the console, we've also got the Temporal Agent stuff going on. Um, that will be running until the 4th of April. And the first week for that is almost over. So, February 21st. When it comes to the PC coming up, Starting on the 2nd of March, we've got a bonus experience weekend. That'll go to the 6th of March. And we've also got Unto the Breach, which will run from the 2nd to the 23rd of March. 
and we'll also have an item upgrade weekend again for the PC, which will be the 16th to the 20th. So we what? know things are coming up. Sorry, you're about to say something. Oh, I was to say, wow, talk about oh, and PC at the moment. Yeah, lots of things going on. Um, of course, there's always going to be lots of stuff that we don't hear about until the last minute, um, which is all weekend-related. So by the time we talk about it and we get the podcast out, it's it's all done. So if you could if you could see my face right now, it's not surprising at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, to be fair, you know, last week and this week, especially with the anniversary taking place uh, for both PC and now it's been introduced on the console, like you said, there's been a lot of stuff going on. Um, but it's, I mean, I'm not surprised because we talked about this so many podcasts ago about how the place, the console was going to mimic, if they was going to mimic the PC and it's kind of taking that effect at the moment yeah they have caught it up quite quickly so um yeah it is it's definitely good the way they brought that up i know a lot of people were sort of doubting mm, sort of really what is it they're sort of going to be doing sort of thing um how far behind are they going to run but yeah, I've actually been quite surprised with how quick they caught that up because it's only been five months and they're already on Agents of Yesterday. So oh, I completely agree. Um, I, I actually thought it was going to take a lot longer for them to catch up. <laughs> Pardon me. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I lots feel, of things going on now. I think, I think I need to go see the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> no, but, I'm fine. Um, yeah, no, sorry, as I was saying, um, I, I, yeah, I'm quite surprised as well myself. Uh, they must have, you know, been doing a lot of work behind the scenes to kind of make it all catch up, if you like. Um, it it seems like they're pretty much on par, both of them now. Um, and I'm guessing that that's where they wanted to be for, obviously, when future content comes out. Because I'm assuming now... <laughs> That when future content does come out, it will come out for one, say for instance, the PC first, and then the console maybe a week or two later, um, that kind of thing. But the fact is, is that the same content is coming out for both PC and console. Yeah, so it's definitely going to be interesting to see how things sort of catch up because we know there is going to be a delay. It'll always be PC first, but yeah, it'll be interesting yeah. to see how, especially when it comes to the big events whether we do get some sort of delay like we had with the anniversary event. I know originally they talked about having the anniversary event be a console anniversary, which they, as we discussed last week, has obviously changed. So, but, uh, hmm. time will tell, as with all these things. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, the console players... Uh, that play on the PC and the PC players that play on the console, they won't probably see much difference at the moment because uh, obviously the content is nigh on is exactly the same. Uh, I think the only things that are currently different, I mean, I could be wrong, but the only things that are different at the moment is the lockboxes. Yeah, because they're running behind as well because they're the lockbox. Um, but we'll get into that later is Taoshia. Yeah, definitely. I'm trying to think. Taoshia... That wasn't, yeah, that was behind um, sort of Agents of Yesterday. 
we need we need someone to draw a flowchart of the lockboxes that have come out and when they've come out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure it's on Stow Wiki somewhere. Most of these things are. They're pretty good over there. <laughs> so, okay. Um, talking about changes to Star Trek Online, um, we have had a post so far um, this afternoon um, about balance changes coming to Star Trek Online. Now, this is things that have been brought up so many times before in the past. And basically what they're saying is they're first of all going to do ground and um, one of the targets that they're looking to do include basically increasing the fun. So they've said games are about having fun and players should not be made to feel that their fun is wrong. Second one is player investment retains value. So while things need to be adjusted a setup that was optimized before should still be useful and effective afterwards. And the third one is choices shall be meaningful. Anywhere the game gives you a choice, there should be no choice that always take, sorry, that there is no choice that you always take, nor one you never take. So, so yeah, it's, um, it'd be interesting to see what they do. Now, as of, Probably about an hour ago, they updated Tribble. So, and they have actually put on there some of these changes. So, not sure how soon we'll see them on Holodeck. And of course, then moving over to um, console. But yeah, they've um, done a lot of work on the powers. So, lots of um, recharge times have... Uh, been changed. Um, summoning of security escorts now desummons your previous security escorts because I know lots of people had been in the past. You could literally team up with people who all tacks who each fire off security ones and then you can fire off another one and you could end up literally a map full of security people and yourselves. <laughs> it was sort wow. of mental. Um, so basically, they've stopped that. Basically, you can only have one pair of secure of a, for a security team at a time. But it doesn't now. It does say your previous security escorts. So if you were a team of five um, tack um, players, then you should each be able to fire off a pair of security escorts. So that should still give you. 10 people to be with you for a short amount of time. Um, they've also said that your escorts will do more damage, especially with the grenades, and they'll also run faster. So that way they keep up with you. Because, of course, you go and run. A lot of the time, your security people sort of tail behind and they've been a bit sort of wasted. So they've also redesigned the stealth module. So players can now um, attack while under the effect of the stealth module for a, um, a period of time. Um, and they've sort of buffed the bonus damage when attacking from behind and a whole load of other things. Um, so, yeah, literally the list is extensive. And um, they've sort of, yeah, 
they've updated so much that yeah i'm trying to scan it and it's just it goes on the link of course will be in our show notes so if you're interested to see what should be coming down the line um go take a look well it's not, it's nice to see that they've put an investment into the grand um, i mean you know most most of the stuff that has come out now has mainly been for the uh ships and stuff so when you're looking at obviously the stealth and you know the art the escort uh, escorts <laughs> escorts <laughs> when you're looking at obviously the um oh uh what oh, what was it called you just said the uh security buffs where they beam down the people and things like that so i can't remember the name but um yeah so essentially you could have you could have a small army just on a couple of group of klingons you know yeah but it's 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 nice to see that they're focusing on sort of like one bit at a time but at the same time they're kind of saying right okay well we're concentrating on grand as a whole that's kind of like the impression i got based on what you just said so um so yeah definitely we'll have to wait to, and see sort of and um, what else to come as, as i think with most people is they will be sort of yeah looking out for what's going to happen with space and for just general missions and queues and things like that but it's things that people have been asking for for a while i know zombie has specified in our chat that he thinks that doing this sort of thing should have been a higher priority for them and done a lot earlier but sort of there's always going to be things on your to-do list that are still important but there are other things that are also more important especially when it comes to sort of deadlines for getting new content out so so yeah they've announced it today um and i guess we'll soon see whether or not they actually keep this sort of thing going and whether or not we have to wait too long for it to be pushed sort of live um and sort of how long in between these updates if we do get it um, bit by bit so they're doing ground this time so next it could be sort of space and space abilities then yeah it it could then be queues afterwards or something um, or they could on triple be doing lots of little bits and then once they've analyzed stuff from people playing they'll then go back to it and then they'll do the space one and then they'll release everything all together maybe um, who knows um, but as we've only heard about it today, as always, time will tell. I suppose it's like with, it, with any MMO, there comes a point where players either become advanced or they just kind of, you know, like the game as it is. But the obviously the people that created the game think now that they need to sort of rebalance and reshuffle it so that everyone's kind of on the same page. Is there's so much content? that I don't think they'll be able to fully balance everything because there's just no way that they can. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if, especially when it comes to the ships, when it's Tier 5, Tier 5U and Tier 6, um, if there will be any sort of changes to those. Um, who knows? But, uh, but yeah, uh, at least they're starting to do something. So that's always a good thing. Okay, so on to PC only. 
Um, we're on week four for the rewards for of signs and portents. So you get access to the space and ground traits. Of course, you can only get one at a time, so you'll have to run it twice if you want to get the ground as well. Um, on Tuesday 21st, all of Cryptic's games will be down for maintenance for about six hours. So it should be starting about um, the usual time. But what they're going to be doing is starting about half eight in the morning, which is Pacific time. Um, the community team from not just Star Trek Online, so, um, but we'll also have um, Fantasy Elf Barbie. Um, so that is Julia. Um, who is the community manager for, um, I think, what um, game that is. I think it, it might be um, Neverwinter. Um, I can't be too sure. Um, but yeah, it's one of his other um, counterparts anyway. Um, they're actually going to do a live stream. So it'll be on Twitch and on the Star Trek Online um, Facebook group as well so it'll be well in the description it says it starts at half past eight pacific but then when it says when it says eight o'clock um, so yeah between eight and half eight and they haven't said what time it's going to be too so it depends on who's there and what's going on but, um, but yeah they said they're sort of going to take questions so you can get to know your community managers and you can win prizes and more Ooh. and there is a disclaimer <laughs> and more um, <laughs> sort of <laughs> could be a, a large spectrum with no numerical amount associated guaranteed <laughs> so is this going to be the six hour gap filler <laughs> because people are going to be complaining that they can't play the game either on the console or on the PC for six hours. And then they're expecting something very special after these six hours. I'm not sure. But um, it will it'll definitely be interesting to see what they're going to do. Um, I think it's more the fact that they've got... Usually our downtime for maintenance is only a couple of hours. This is due to be three times longer. So they're planning to do something. Now, for consoles, they're usually down for a while. But I'm not sure whether or not this will actually affect them because most of the maintenance for them is done by Sony and Microsoft. So I think this maintenance will probably only affect um, the PC market. But... It is Tuesday, which is generally the maintenance window as well for consoles. So they will be down for a couple of hours, possibly. So I'm sure people can still head over to um, sort of check out that at the same time. It's, it's quite funny because uh, <laughs> they uh, had their maintenance the other day with adding in the uh, temporary agent stuff and that that we'll talk about later. And... Um... As soon as I turn my PlayStation, uh, my PlayStation 4, 4 on, and I know all the Xbox people out there are going to go boo, but yes, I have a PlayStation 4. Uh, <laughs> it come up as a patch straight away. So I was like, oh, <laughs> this stuff has been added now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Whereas the PC, obviously, you have to wait to launch on and you see the the one point, whatever it is, gigabytes that need to be added to what you've already got. And then, you know, there's a patch that's been done. Yeah. So, but, um, give, give, you know, uh, give Perfect World high five for joining Twitch Revolution. You know, I'm not here to promote Twitch, but it's great that they can use that kind of resource to reach out to people. And obviously people interact with them the same way as we do with our viewers mm-hmm. and just like we do we're also to facebook live at the same time as well nice so um so yeah they're now streaming to the two places so we still got on beat because we're doing youtube as well <laughs> <laughs> o- always got to do one more you know oh that's it one step ahead i love it <laughs> so um let's move on pc patch notes for the 16th of february so the zincathy battle zone they have um sort of changed how the enemies will recontest a player controlled area basically areas captured by players will now remain controlled for a minimum of 10 minutes and now enemies cannot recontest them if there are any players still in the area. Um, which is good, because especially while we've got all this scanning going along, these battle zone areas and the queues are an awful lot quieter than they usually are. So if you're there's only a small amount of people who are actually doing these battle zones, literally by the time you've done one, maybe two, you're already seeing an area that you've won over sort of being highlighted that it's starting to be contested again. It's like, yeah. so it's sort of like never ending. I can only imagine. Um, they've also added, um, Iconian resistance, temporal defense initiative and Lakari restoration initiative, um, outfits to the costume editor in the foundry. So, um, I'm sure a lot of people will like that. Um, they've also done another fix for an issue that was causing a drop in the FPS in Gravity Kills. And FPS is frames per second. Um, in systems, they've resolved a load of issues um, for um, everything from noticeable dips in FPS um, when it comes to some of the sources of weapon haste that were affecting non-weapon powers. Um, yeah, they've got a whole list of issues that have been resolved. Um, known issues to still exist is there is no voiceover from Kamaki um, for the tier missions in the Lakari Restoration Reputation. The 23rd Century Medical Tricorder is not available to use after upgrading. Item names in the reward windows black out when the mouse is hovering over them. So, um, so yeah, they're the listed things there. Uh, that's actually quite a big, uh, well, big sort of patch, if you like. Um, I c- yeah, they've been a lot smaller recently. So mm. it's nice to see quite a lot of things being pushed out now. So, um, yeah, hopefully they will help people. And it looks like they're fixing a lot of science stuff as well. So it's not a bummer on the science people. Yep, they seem to be giving science a lot of love recently. <laughs> yeah. Science love! <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, would you like me to read the console news and... Uh, yep, let's just play the bumper. 
Star Trek Online Console News. I think I'll have to get this person's number because that was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so console news. Today, well, uh, literally today, as I read, there is a, for a limited time only, a key ring bundle. Okay, and this pack includes 20 master keys to use for any lockbox for a price of 2,250 zen. Uh, as an additional special promotional offer as well, when purchasing the bundle, every pack also includes a single ultimate tech upgrade. And obviously applying this to any upgradable piece, console, weapon, and so on, um, will upgrade it to the top level amount possibly an epic or gold quality as well with zero dilithium cost it starts on the 14th of february and it finishes on the 23rd of february so yeah yeah when we had that for the pc um you do save some zen for buying these boxes compared to buying them separately and of course getting that upgrade is just really good I kind of get the feeling as well that I kind of get the feeling as well that um, it goes well with the upgrade, the ultimate tech upgrade. It kind of goes hand in hand with the uh, with the kind of the events, the uh, upgrade item events that's coming through. Yeah, the... no, it'll be really helpful. Okay, so um, similar to the PC, also the console have had its fair share of patch notes this week. Um, also, obviously, to start off with, the most biggest and notable thing is that Agents of Yesterday has now come onto the console. And to celebrate the Agents of Yesterday, they're actually doing a week-long, uh, if I can find it in the notes, they're actually doing a week-long um, celebration of this uh, where you can earn various rewards. Um which um, obviously week one for Temple Agent um, started on the 14th of February, but it, all, but it finishes on the 21st and could possibly go on to week two or week three. However, I haven't had no information of that yet, so stay tuned for that. Also, the uh, anniversary event has hit the console as well. And with the anniversary event, similar to the PC, you get or you could possibly get a science ship and also comes with the featured episode Echoes of Light. Again, I'm I'm assuming it's pretty similar to the PC version where you have to have you complete the Echoes of Light episode and uh, you gain 400 tokens, and then each day or 20 hours later, um, you gain 40 more, which adds up to a thousand. Um, and you do that by doing the Omega Molecule Stabilization. Uh, however, this is only for captains that are level 10 or higher. So if your character has just started out, like a few of mine have, you need to get them up to level 10 to participate. Um, also, going on to other news, they've added fleet armadas now. So fleets will be able to join and form armadas to share resources 
Um, the top level fleet will be called the Alpha Fleet. Um, and then they can invite up to three other fleets, which will be called Beta Fleets. So hopefully that will encourage a lot more fleets that have formed in the console universe of Star Trek Online to uh, come together. They've added new queues. There is uh, five new queues. Just regarding quickly um, the Armada, um, it's very good for any big fleets out there where you've got a lot of people who aren't able to contribute because so many other people are getting there first. And it's also good for the small fleets as well, um, which are known as Gamma Fleets, because they will um, be able to get contributions to their fleet where they may be just small fleets. And then you've got the Beta Fleets, um, which are sort of midway. And each tier will get bigger discounts for certain things when it comes to gamma fleets they get a bigger discount on dilithium because usually it's the dilithium requirements which the smaller fleets tend to sort of struggle with so um so yeah it's definitely worth talking to other people in chat and the forums and things like that and trying to connect with people to sort of um connect them all up um using the new armada system there you go if anyone who's not in a fleet heard that valuable bit of advice there i suggest now is the time to join a fleet am i wrong or am i right um yeah it's definitely a good time to join a fleet um because yeah as i said you get to do more um when you're in a fleet you get access to extra stuff as well so you get access to sort of all these sort of fleet um holdings and each of these holdings have different consoles and things like that you can get as well uh, not to mention things like the dilithium mine there's some nice sort of um, missions you can pick up for your duty officer system to get some extra energy credits and dilithium which you can run each day nice i should be definitely looking out for them kind of stuff when i uh, <coughs> go back onto my uh, star trek online on the console but of course if you are new to playing on console and new to playing to star trek online and you do have some questions then always send them in to us and we'll be happy to sort of answer them and if we don't know the answer then we will find out for you definitely i sit at my desk each day waiting for the emails and the comment <laughs> comments and stuff with uh offering or wanting me to offer my valuable advice as well as... And obviously, if I don't know the answer, I'm pretty sure that one of our other co-anchors can uh, answer it. Okay, so we've got... In the new queue section, we've got five player cross-faction PVEs for ground. And five... Oh, we, sorry, scratch that. We've got five, five player cross-PVE queues... Uh, minor instability and assault and turret nor for ground and we've got new space five player queues as well days of doom the battle of pro Sinian five counterpoint and crystal line catastrophe uh, we've got three new reputation systems temporal defense initiative nukara strike force and terran task force We've got the Badlands Battle Zone, which is which which you now can participate in, but 
you have to be level 60 captains to participate in this one, uh, according to the notes. Uh, moving on to general to general stuff, um, there have resolved various issues with lighting qualities. So hopefully the graphics throughout the maps, whether you're in section space or whether you're in certain areas with planets and stars and things like that, will uh, have improved. Um, They've resolved an issue where when reaching level 5 captain as a Klingon, uh, the player would receive an incorrect hail about high command, wanting to speak to the captain. So for all you captains that have gone back to high command, um, I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, We've got resolved an issue where choosing to return to sector space in the fleet spire, return the player to allied sphere space instead. Um, and yeah, pretty much the rest of the issues is, um, sort of system issues that they've resolved. However, the known issues at the moment are with the temporal agency reward system is not available when a 23rd century captain becomes a full temporal agent at level 10, they will receive a temporal transponder in their infantry. The function of this transponder for claiming the rewards is not functioning at this time for some reason. Also, the progress for these rewards will still be tracked. So when the system does become available, the captains can receive what they're owed. So don't be too despaired about that. Also, the temporal transponder can be moved into the bank from the captains if the player wishes not to have it take infantry space for the time being. Moving on from the patch notes there there is as midnight shadow said earlier a new lockbox has come out called the Telshiar lockbox this is basically in a nutshell the Telshiar's way of introducing Borg infused technology within their ships Um, the biggest reference and midnight could probably correct me on this but when I saw the picture earlier on the uh arc news display it kind of looked like Nero's ship from the uh, Star Trek Nemesis am I wrong? Which blog are you talking about? Because there are, there are two blogs which relate to this story, one is about the lockbox and one is regarding the lockbox stats um, so both of these links will of course be in our show notes so, um, so yeah which ship is it that uh, I think it's it's the one to do with the uh, the stats, really. I mean, both both of the both of them have got a pi- the picture of the Romulan ships there. Um, but yeah, I think it's the one that shows the ship in the stats that kind of looks like Nero's ship. Um, I but to me, they look more like the Scimitar. Um, they're designed to look a little bit more sort of the Romulan Reman sort of look than um, Nero's ship. Um, but then, sort of, Nero's ship is in some ways related to the way the scimitar looked as well. Um, but of course, because what happened in the 2009 um, video, video um, movie was, of course, after Nemesis. Now, whether or not the Romulans took on some of the design aesthetics from the scimitar, because of course that was a Reman ship. Um, not a Romulan ship. Um, who knows? Um, so we're not sure sort of how 
ship design progressed um, when it came to the mining ship. I stand corrected. <laughs> you got a lot so, of discussions so, like these because <laughs> what you think is something really simple just ends up going completely the other direction. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm a, I'm a man that accepts his failures at times, and uh, there was a a person in the. Uh, Triple uh, in the Twitch chat, sorry, not Tribbles, Twitch chat that said uh, uh, Pax Federica that actually corrected me by saying N- Nero and his ship were from Treco 9, not Nemesis, um, which that jogs my memory and I completely understand where he's coming from there. Nemesis had the scimitar, which is what you mentioned. So I'm just going to go and uh, put my head in shame now. And uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But no, I can I can definitely see where you're coming from. I think what it was was I kind of first glanced the picture and the way that the the, the points of it kind of stick out and yeah, it just kind of looked like Nero. Well, I thought it looked like Nero's ship, but now that you mentioned the scimitar and things like that, I can kind of see where well, you're coming the, from. Yeah, the thing is, is with a lot of these, it depends what you last saw and when. So for a lot of people who have seen more from the Kelvin timeline recently that would be sort of fresher in their minds. So I can see why you may have jumped straight towards um, the mining ship from um, the 2009 Star Trek film rather than going towards the scimitar. Mm, yeah, definitely. So, okay. Let's quickly move on to the next section. Budget Builds. Warning. Meltdown imminent. Unfortunately, we don't have Timberwolf with us today, um, but I do know he has created a new um, video for the Tier 5 Burrell retrofit. So he's got a budget build, which is with cannons. And I believe the video covers the Tier 5 and the Tier 5U. I think he does that separately. I think he goes through it as just Tier 5, and I think he then does um, something on the ship once it's been upgraded. Um, I haven't personally had a chance to look at the ship, um, look at the ship, look at the video yet. Um, But, um, yeah, if you are looking to... uh, get a budget built for the Varel, um, which is a Klingon ship. So, um, yeah, if you're on the KDF, then, uh, yeah, the link to that will be in our show notes. Otherwise, if you go to YouTube and look up um, Timberwolf, I'm sure you'll be able to find his channel nice and easy, and you should be able to just see that in his playlist. Okay. Sounds interesting. So, um, so yeah, um, I think he has done some other videos recently, um, although I hadn't had a chance to catch up with him um, to sort of get the links. So um, any videos that we have missed this week, um, then, of course, we will let you know next week. Okay, well, I think that's it for all of the Star Trek Online news now. So... Um, so yeah, sort of in some respects not much has come out, but in other respects, quite some noteworthy bits of news there. 
Okay. Too much and not enough. (laughs) Okay, time for the next segment. Timelines. Does no one here understand your incredible good fortune? Star Trek Timelines. Did someone say gay? You seem to find this all very amusing. I do like that intro. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely a good intro. Okay, this weekend we have currently got the Season of Love. Um, That is the faction event that is out at the moment. So it does allow squadrons and crew sharing and of course finishes this coming Monday, which is the 20th. So um, it is one of these ones where you do your... um, Ooh, mine's gone blank. Um... The missions where you send crew away for a few hours. Um, uh, and you just hate it when you get a complete sort of uh, blank memory. I, um, I know, I know exactly what you mean. I had it about five seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nothing worse. You're in the middle of talking about something and then it's just like, nope, it's completely gone. Um, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I'm just loading the game up so I can actually <laughs> say what it is. But, um, yeah, the event crew for this one, um, we have got Califi Kirk and Califi Spock. So Califi Kirk and Spock are existing crew, which were already in the game. Kirk is, of course, legendary gold, and Spock is super rare purple. So, um, so yeah, it's um, shuttle events. Shuttles, that was the word I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could see the icon sort of thing roughly in my head, but just the word shuttle just completely eluded me. But um, never mind. So, yeah, it's down to doing that again. So, um, so yeah, anyone listening live, you still have time to sort of had out your crew especially if previously you had got spock or kirk so well now's a good time um any vulcan will provide a bonus that you use so it's not just uh, spock that will give you a bonus on this one because i think the previous time they ran with the cliffies i think it was just kirk and spock's that gave the bonus um but that's going back quite a few months now but the new crew that has been added to the game is ambassador troy and she is a five-star legendary gold character and um yeah she's got um very high diplomacy actually um a fully fused fully equipped level 100 ambassador troy will give you diplomacy at 932. Um, And then you've got the plus 345 to 711. And that also comes with command at 830. So um, still not as high um, as Kirk for security, which was 981. Um, But yeah, still, if you're looking for someone for diplomacy, that looks to be very good, but of course, in order to get 
five ambassador troys will probably be quite costly so so ranked rewards that you can get um you've got loxana troy three star existing cat crew Caliphy Spock, four-star, again, existing crew, and then Ambassador Troy, which is the new five-star. There was some server build notes that were released on the 16th of February. So, crew-wise, Mirror to Paul now provides a bonus for the current event, Season of Love. And the NXO-1 ship has had the base crit rating increased from 500 to 900, and the base crit bonus increased from 5,000 to 8,000. So um, then when it comes to the rotate warp nacelles, the cooldown has been reduced from 12 to 8. The initial cooldown has been increased from 1 to 3. And the duration has been reduced from 8 to 6. And that now grants positioning repolarize hull. And evasion bonus has increased from 2 to 3. So the NX-01 is the first 5-star ship with positioning, making Dancing Ahura and Aviator Yar the perfect candidates for manning its battle stations. Mm. Not that I have any of the, the two NX-01s that are in the game, so I haven't been able to get hold of them yet. <laughs> no, I don't so. have that either, to be honest. <laughs> There are only three ships that I don't have um, when it comes to Star Trek timelines. Um, so, basically, I don't have at all the NX-01 Enterprise and the NX-class ship, and then it's the Jem'Hadar Fighter, which is the, the other sort of fairly new ship um, to the game that I don't yet have. So, uh, so yeah, I'm... a. Uh, Hopefully get those at some point. You have now, something to aim for. Oh, yeah. One thing <laughs> I was pleased with this week, um, it didn't actually get its own post in their forums, um, is the fact that Gauntlet has come back. I talked about the Gauntlet, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. And I actually found that quite fun, although I didn't really sort of get very far with it. Um, it was still pretty good. Um Basically, when it came to the gauntlet um, last time, um, I actually came in ranked at position 28, and I didn't do too much, um, and I'd won 985 trophies. Wow. So um, I, I was quite impressed with that one. Now, this time I did a hell of a lot more. Um, this week I've been off with my son because it's half term, and yeah, I with the gauntlet being back i actually spent quite a bit of time doing that now because i've got a lot of merits one of the things i found with the gauntlet is if no one really matches the stats that you've got for your crew then you can use your merits to basically refresh and get another one it costs you 50 merits each time you do a refresh and you usually get new sort of highlighted traits and um all your opponents are then reselected at the same time so with me with things that i've been doing in game i basically collected tens of thousands of merits so i've used a huge amount of those up <laughs> these last couple of days and <laughs> um 
I even went as far as actually using some dilithium as well to regenerate some of my crew. Because um, I, I wanted to give this event a proper go. So with the daily amount of dilithium, I had actually sort of built a few hundred up in dilithium. So I thought I would actually sort of use some of that. And I actually managed to come in first. So it's like, yay! Nice. Congratulations. So I managed to win 2,838 trophies in total. So I remember the countdown because I'm thinking, okay, I'm sort of usually the last sort of eight to, well, five to eight hours of my Friday before the show is literally doing prep for the show. So I just thought, okay, my time in the UK, this event finished at midnight. And of course, that finishes an hour before the show starts. And I thought, I'm not going to be able to keep an eye on that at all. I'm just thinking, I could see every time I went to the gauntlet that people were sort of slowly creeping up and creeping up. Sort of like, for ages yesterday, everyone was sort of like in the sort of six to nine hundreds. And then I saw one person creep up to sort of like 1,200, another one creep up to 1,300. And it's like, ah, stop it. <laughs> I want to keep my position. <laughs> They're catching up to you. <laughs> so every time I saw that, it's just like, okay, I need to set aside some more time. So I, I then spent like another half an hour doing some more and everything else. And um, so then I suddenly thought, ah, oh, damn it. So I had a look, I'm thinking, okay, I've got a big enough lead because with this event, the more you use your crew, the more sort of their stats go down. Right, I just yeah. thought all I need for someone is to have all their crew refreshed at the right time because they haven't played it for a while, or to have some dilithium they can use. And I could that gap that I had could dwindle. Um, but I, also the other reason I wanted to come first is I really wanted to see if I can get the Locutus of Borg. So came first, I'm thinking, so of course I'd got seven of these crates to open. So yes. Yep, not one of them was Locutus of Borg. No so, way. I'm thinking, what? I'm thinking, if you've actually put so much effort in that you have actually come first, you should be able to get at least one as a guaranteed reward. Not yeah, definitely. an optional. Because it's just like... That was an awful lot of time, effort, dilithium, and merits that were actually put into doing that. So that sort of pissed me off. It's like, no. Did you get some decent stuff out of the crates, though? Um, sometimes it was just. I think one of them was a bottle of champagne. It's still a three-star item, but um, I think I got. 80 i got two lots of 40 chronotons um i'd got some training manuals um so yeah you got some okay items but still when you come first and you've put a lot of time and effort into that you would at least expect to get the cutest rather than it being a chance that you get it so yeah, yeah i was just like hmm so, yeah, wasn't too happy with that at all, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, I will, uh, yeah, I, if I remember this weekend, I might actually put a comment um, sort of into their forums 
and sort of see what they say they might actually change that um or somebody may have actually already started it on which i'll just add it to sort of what they've got already you could be starting a revolution here <laughs> but no i i think it's it's fair that that's the top prize they're advertising and when you come at the top of the chart and you don't get it it's just like what now of course i could be wrong it could be something rather that you claim with the crates that you normally have this could actually be a reward you get mailed like you do with some of the other events um so you also have um because you get the um ah brain freeze again um uh, what do you call it when you're battling the ships um um the arena that's it <laughs> ah. um, when you're doing the arena each day you get mailed your reward depending on where you are in the chart so what could happen is in about six hours or whatever it is when it gets reset i could find i might get that emailed in which case i will go thank you very much and i will let everybody else know next week <laughs> but <laughs> um that's what i'm hoping but yeah i'm not gonna hold my breath um because it's just like yeah i'm not really sure that's really gonna happen because yeah the way that you open crates then why not just give it to you then um whether or not it but you never know it could be a technology thing they just haven't built in in order to do that at this point um could be could be the uh the statistics of winning that like the, the statistics of winning lacutus oh, i've got tongue tied then um is pretty slim yeah or it could be out of all the winners then someone is selected at random or multiple people are selected at random based on sort of what happens yeah who knows that's, that's pretty sad because if you're if you're in rank 10 you still got a chance of getting lacutus obviously without putting well we've put in kind of minimal effort into it compared to say the likes of you that have made it to the top and done it and put loads of effort into it you know you should be rewarded with lacutus yeah well jays of action um has actually said don't hold your breath i didn't get anything for coming first oh damn so it's not a campaign <laughs> So, yeah, as I suspected, um, yeah, doesn't look like I'm going to get anything for it. So, yeah, I will be sort of definitely reaching out um, as long as I remember. <laughs> um, but, yeah, hopefully I'll get a chance to do that this weekend and saying, hey, you're advertising this, but why is it I don't get it? So I'm going to read because the next gauntlet's already started started i can i've got 12 hours or well probably less now probably about 10 to sort of accept into the next gauntlet so i'm gonna read things properly and try and find out what it says in regards to your chance to win an acutus of borg so but yeah a bit gutted about that i can only imagine but good luck for the next gauntlet if you do decide to join it Thank you very much. But yeah, I definitely won't be putting in as much effort. Uh, so, 
Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, just like tear. Okay, well, let's move on to the next segment. Star Trek News. Yeehaw. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Star Trek News, Star Trek.com has been um, talking about Treknology. Um, it's a book that explores the science of Star Trek. So it talks about everything from tricorders to warp drive. So this is a book that will be on the shelves later this year. So October 15th. 2007. So it's written by Ethan Segel, who is a PhD astrophysicist, science writer, author, professor, and long-term Star Trek fan. So they have show off the um, an image of the cover, but it basically goes through and sort of talks about sort of the tech in the real world. Um, um, it says, The name Star Trek conjures images of faster-than-light spacecraft, holographic crew members, and phaser sets to stun. Some of these incredible devices may still be far from our reach, but others have made the leap from science fiction to science fact. And now you can learn the science and the engineering of what makes them tick. Technology looks at over 25 iconic inventions from the complete history of Star Trek television and film universe. Author Ethan Segel explores and profiles these dazzling technologies and their role in Star Trek, the science behind how they work, and how close we are to achieving them in the real world today. The stunning collection is packed with 150 superb film and television stills, prop photography, and scientific diagrams pull you into another world. Brace yourself for a detailed look at the inner workings of Star Trek's computing capabilities, communications equipment, medical devices, and awe-inspiring ships. This, this book is one that no fan of Star Trek or future tech will want to miss. So, it will have 208 pages, and it will cost about $30. So... So, um, yeah, we will have a link to the website quartonose.com, which is where you can go for more information and to actually pre-order the book. So, it, Sa- Sounds good. I was just going to say, you know, it's, it's amazing how Star Trek and obviously Gene Roddenberry had his idea back then and the amount of technology that's now become a reality you know i mean the description you just said that there was over 25 iconic inventions from star trek that have now become real life so it's really fascinating to see the the technology come to life and the the question bears that did gene roddenberry inspire the future or did the future just kind of intertwine itself and it happened to be a big coincidence that Star Trek had laid out this kind of technology beforehand? Well, the thing with Star Trek is when it came out, it was at a time when people were investing in science. You'd got the space race and things like that. 
So people were thinking to the future. They were thinking about going to the moon, maybe even at one time going to Mars. And that itself inspired people. Then, of course, you'd got Star Trek, which sort of takes that even further and has all this marvellous technology. So you've got all these kids that um, are sort of being introduced to science and technology when it comes to sort of the space race. And then they're sort of introduced to this sort of fantasy science fiction where the technology offers something so much more that it just it inspired people to try and make that happen it's just like i want to be that captain i want to be able to do this and we've seen it happen when it comes to mobile phones even tricorders um all these things um we've got people been looking into warp drive um we've got um repulsor beams and tractor beams being worked on all these things were all inspired by star trek and other science fiction and a lot of it was actually star trek so yeah um so yeah it it definitely when people have got this idea of something that could happen people would always try and find a way to make it happen they may not always succeed but they'll still try yeah, definitely. Oh, it's just mind blowing how, like, like you said, when he when Gene Roddenberry had an idea and uh, he first started out, you know, even um, to the extent of like, the, you know, the whole setup in terms of it wasn't about obviously race, gender, and so on, because you know the crew was was one, if you like, you know, um, yeah. and you know, get, moving on to the technology, you know, with the, with the pads and the like you said, the phasers and the ships and the things like that, you know, it really, a lot a lot of people still say today that it was really inspiring. But it just, I would just love to know where he got the ideas from in the first place. Well, that's always the sort of question that sort of people tend to ask, isn't it? Or where did you get your ideas from? Um, yeah. But sometimes that just your ideas could again be inspired by other people and well alex wonder has actually said um it's also not unfeasible to think that some inventor might have had an idea and then just shaped it into a star trek form um which is true and that's the same gene ronbury could have had or heard someone talk about something or it could have been a discussion somewhere and he's just formed it into what became star trek but it's also it wasn't just gene ronbury um, although he had this idea of the show, a lot of the stories and the direction of even the ship came through other people. So just like any TV series, somebody comes up with an idea of what it should be. And the thing is, you know how much it changed just from what happened with the pilot to how things got redone. Um, so... Yeah, his original idea of the show would not have been what we actually saw in the first place. It really sort of moved on as all these people got involved in the sort of the networks got involved and stuff like that. But um, but yeah, he just as the creator 
of Star Trek, he just gets credited with it all. Yeah, no, I understand. What so, yeah, as I said, link will be in our show notes if you are interested in the book. So, shall we move on to the next one? Because I, yeah. I quite like the next one. <laughs> oh, do you want to announce it? I would. I would love to announce it. Um, okay, so a theme park has now designed and are opening up a roller coaster ride based on Star Trek. It's called Star Trek Operation Enterprise. It's opening spring 2017 in the movie park. And the movie park, if I'm not mistaken, is based in Germany. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's pretty good. I mean, it's got a twisted half pipe with a 40 meter elevation. Uh, the actual roller coaster itself itself is shaped like uh, it looks like a starship. I mean, I'm looking at the picture now. It looks like a starship shuttle, but I could be wrong. It could be the uh, the Enterprise D. Um, yeah, basically, it, it's. The, I think it's to it's shaped like the Enterprise D shuttles. So, because um, ah. of course, when it comes to the Enterprise D. Um, cause you actually see in some of the things that you've got the model of the enterprise D around it. Of course, that is very big, very round, and it sort of sticks out. So when it comes to a roller coaster, that's going very fast. You don't want that catching the wind and everything else. So they've obviously modeled it after the shuttle, which is a lot smoother, um, and smaller and sort of streamlined uh, in some respects as well. So, wow. <laughs> well, to, <laughs> to be honest, going back to what you said about the speed, according to what I'm reading here, which the link will be posted in the show notes, um, the coaster is launched at high speed three times throughout its trip. Um, <sighs> wow. It's the first time movie park germany has incorporated such a launch concept into one of its roller coaster rides as well um but additional to the roller coaster there's actually going to be a brand new federation plaza themed area okay nice so the futuristic star trek bring set brings the starfleet academy world to life with guests effectively becoming Starfleet cadets who are then sent on a mission, namely Operation Enterprise, to save the entire crew of the USS Enterprise D from the Borg before they can assimilate them. So the reason why I got so excited about it is because, okay, it's a bit of a bummer is in Germany, because obviously I live in the UK. However, if they did something like this in the UK, I would be my tickets would be done and dusted and I'd be on that ride because it seems like such a really good ride um, with the Star Trek theme that it's just hard to miss. <laughs> well, if any, any country was going to do it, then, yeah, Germany would be the one. They have got a very, very big sort of Star Trek following over there. So, uh, so yeah, it's definitely saying that I would be interested in. I must admit, I haven't gone on any sort of ride like this for a while now. Um, yeah, the last time 
I went to Alton Towers um, because I don't like the heat anyway. But yeah, even though we stuck to the shade and everything else and kept drinking, I ended up getting severe heat stroke. Um, that I was actually off work for three or four days afterwards. And yeah, trying to drive home because I'd already driven back from Scotland, so I'd already driven a few hundred miles. And we stopped for the day for, um, I think it's my wife's birthday at Alton Towers. And um, for people who aren't in the UK, that's a theme park um, here. And yeah, unfortunately, that made me so ill. That was the last time I sort of ever thought of going onto a theme park ride, um, which is a shame because I've always loved theme park rides and roller coasters. Um, I'm the sort of person who, when you get the photos, everybody else is screaming and I'm pretending I'm sleeping like it's not fast enough. Um, but yeah, it. Um, yeah, after getting that heat stroke and being off for a few days, yeah, I didn't want to go back to any theme park. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, this one makes me think, yeah, maybe I want to start getting back into it. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking on the official website now, which again, we can put a link into that as well. Um, not giving too much away without you actually going onto the website and having a look, which by the way, just a word of warning, it is in German. However, you can use yeah, to translate it or something else like that. Um, it's pretty, the storyline is pretty believable. Um, in terms of, I, I mean, in terms of the actual, like how they've used Star Trek and the licensing and all that kind of stuff, it's, it's the real deal. So, yeah, definitely check it out. So, yeah, um, head over to, I think it's moviepark.de forward slash Star Trek. Yeah, um, that's perfect. As we said, the link will be in our notes yeah. um, if you just want to click through. So, that's it for Star Trek news. So, now it's time for finding out what's been happening on the main viewer. Main viewer. Computed and recorded, dear. Okay. So, Star Trek Discovery. We have got three new cast members. Now, I am going to butcher their name, so I apologise in advance. Not that any of them will probably be listening to our little show. So, Sam Vartholomus, Malik Panchoff, no, and Terry Seprico. Yeah, told you I'd butcher their names. Anyway. Yeah, I would have said it. <laughs> um... I'll just go with the first names, I think. So, Sam will be Ensign Connor, the junior officer in Starfleet Academy, assigned to the starship um, Shenzhou. So, his credits include The Secret Life of Walter Mitty and the following. Malik is on board as Dr. Nimbe, a chief medical officer again from the same starship and 
His credits include Weeds, Hitch, 30 Rock, Phineas and Ferb, The Good Wife, and Sanjay and Craig. And then Terry will play Admiral Anderson, a high-ranking Starfleet official. His TV and film credits include 100 Center Street, The Departed, Army Wives, Rescue Me, Sneaky Pete, Elementary, and The Purge Election Year. So, um, it's definitely interesting to see that we will be having a lot of crew which aren't actually going to be assigned to the USS Discovery. So, because we already know we've got yeah. at least three regular Klingons. We know we've got um, some other cast and crew that aren't um, connected to the main ship. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how all these sort of stories are going to come together and what the story's actually going to be about. Because we know it's not going to be just a ship going off somewhere on its own, sort of like Voyager style or Enterprise style. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. It looks like they'll be teaming up with other ships um, or at least coming across them on probably a semi-regular occurrence. Yeah, I've got a feeling there are a couple of the cast members, but I've got a feeling they're going to leave the kind of, if it is to do with one ship and going off and doing this and doing that or, you know, various ships or whatever they're going to kind of keep it low hush hush until right at the last minute because it's such when you think about it to get a star trek series right now after what we've had previously with voyager and deep space nine and all that to get a star trek series right now is so much pressure and scrutiny from what i well that's what i think anyway that if you don't get it right you're just going to get ridiculed for it but if you get it right, people want more of it. So as it's either one end of the scale or the other. That's kind of how I look at it. Well, it the problem is, at the moment, you've basically got what you had when it came to the next generation coming out. Basically, all these people saying, oh, it's not going to be Star Trek, and it's going to be crap because it can't reproduce what Star Trek was... And it's just like, you've not seen it yet. Just shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. seriously. Oh, I'm not going to watch it. It's just like, you're a Star Trek fan. People are going to be talking about it. You are going to watch it. No matter how much you say, I'm not going to. You will watch it. It's just like, you know you will. And the yeah. thing is, it's like so many people, it's just like, oh, I'm not going to watch that. Um same thing happened with Stargate Universe. So people blamed that for Stargate Atlantis being cancelled. And it's just like, oh, I'm going to boycott it. And it's just like, well, you know you're not. I know there were some people that did, but the numbers, it's just so small. It's just like, <laughs> it's like these people from Axanar. Oh, I'm not going to see Star Trek beyond. Just like, <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In one way or another, you're going to see that movie, regardless. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> no, I yeah, get that. no matter how much you protest and say something like that, you know you're going to say it. And it's just like, look, shut up, watch the series, then you can bitch about it. <laughs> it's just like, but give it a chance, give it a try. Just, no, definitely. It's just like all these people sort of like, going, nah. it's just like, oh, please. But but that's what I'm, that's, that's quite, well, that's 
my point a little bit with the the whole scale thing because, like you said, I'm I'm I'll never boycott Star Trek. Just probably like I would never boycott anything else that I'd want to watch. But in terms of Star Trek, obviously I've seen what's happened previously, and you can't deny that next generation uh, the next generation set a trend for Deep Space Nine and Voyager. Even though Deep Space Nine and Voyager were their own kind of series, TNG kind of set that thing in motion and i think with voyager and and deep space nine it kind of followed a similar pattern although deep space nine was obviously set on a station and things like that but that's part that's probably to do with the yeah. fact that they had the same well, writers with ds9 that was slightly different because with voyager which was basically showcasing a channel a lot of the top execs paid attention to that series and that got a lot of interference from everything I've heard and read. Whereas right. Deep Space Nine sort of got forgotten about. So it meant people could just get in and write, which is why especially some of their storylines make a lot more sense and is more sort of serial sort of thing. You get a lot more sort of continuity um, throughout, the, especially the later series as well. Whereas with Voyager, um, one of the things that people complain about with that is one moment, sort of, Janeway's like, oh, got to respect the um, Prime Directive, and the next time she's chucking it out the window, sort of thing. Um, yeah. Because, and I think a lot of that was to do with sort of network interference, from what I've been told. Whereas one of the things you've got now, is because it's on things like CBS All Access, you don't have that sort of oversight. And especially these days, having a storyline that is spread over multiple episodes is a norm. Whereas back then, Mm. most of that stuff, it was still pretty new. Yes, there were some TV series that were already doing it. But especially in science fiction, it was very sort of episodic like the original Star Trek series. Yeah, but as as a Star Trek fan, obviously, based on what I've seen before and, you know, the information that I've gathered from various sources and that, I can't help but, once I've watched Discovery, to scrutinise it in terms of, is... <laughs> pardon me. Is this Star Is this my Star Trek? Is this what I think Star Trek should be? Do you know what I mean? And there's probably going to be a lot of people out there that, do exactly what you said where they say oh yeah i'm gonna boycott it i'm gonna do this and do that but they'll watch it and then they'll scrutinize it and then they'll decide whether they want to boycott it or not after that and then hopefully you know it it carries the numbers over to keep going because i think i personally think that we're due a star trek series the movies were great but we need something that's gonna stick and it's gonna be long lasting you know yeah Uh, i mean virtual and obviously links into what we're saying um, but it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because like everyone's version of Star Trek is different. You know, some people w- love the the exploring bit, and some people love the fact that the Federation's at wars. Some people love the fact that they can you know link themselves to the characters. Like you can kind of relate to Captain Kirk from the past, and or Janeway or whoever. You know, it has it has a different effect for people, and I think that's where. That's where the uh, the scrutinising is going to come in, and people are going to decide after that whether they think it's a hit or success. You know? Yeah. Well, it's also people's expectations. Thing is, one of the reasons I think a lot of people 
sort of hated the Kelvin timeline. It's just like, well, that's not Star Trek. But one thing that I'd really noticed since I started doing my rewatch last July is that once you've just watched the original series, if you then actually go and watch the 2009 Star Trek, it is much more in line with the original series. And I do wonder if a lot of these people who sort of hate um, what was dubbed as the JJ-verse was actually because they were thinking, this isn't Captain Picard and this isn't what I'd come to expect. They shouldn't have done that. But this is at a time when things were a little bit rougher. The rules of things like the Prime Directive weren't always kept. Um, Because going back to the original series, that was actually the case. And if I actually have a look at the original series and sort of the Kelvin timeline, I can see why they took the route that they did. But if you have a look at it from a TNG perspective then it's just like, well, that's not Star Trek. They shouldn't have done that. Just like, they still wouldn't have fired on his ship um, at the end, even though he was going into a black hole. Even though he said, don't help, he w- they would have just helped. But then that is more of what maybe Picard would have done. But when it came to Kirk, he would have just gone, right, fine, I'm out of here, sort of thing. Um, yeah. And, of course, with this, we are actually going back to a time before Kirk but yet after Enterprise. So I do wonder if we will also see people with that sort of expectation being disappointed because they will go, well, that wouldn't have happened. They completely ignored the Prime Directive. They didn't do this. Um, And it's just like, again, it's going to be expectations. If you go into this, like with any movie, if you go into it with an open mind without any expectations for what it is, then I think you'll enjoy it a hell of a lot more. But um, we'll just have to wait to sort of when it comes out. And sort of, yeah, Alex actually says in chat um, that even Picard broke the Prime Directive every now and then. It's just like, yeah, every captain has always sort of, well, maybe not always broken it, but at least sort of bent it. Um, Or just sort of broken it on a small scale. But, yeah, it's just like, even in the first series, Picard turned around and said, yeah, you're not executing Wesley, which technically broke the Prime Directive. Um, so it's just like, yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think I'm going to open up a can of beans here, but um, you, you mentioned the uh, the J.J. Abrahams universe and obviously when I when it first came out I know knowing what I knew from the previous you know movies and series that I'd watched and stuff I thought that it was a reboot of the original series yeah I thought it was directly in line with what Kirk had done and everything like that but it was basically a reboot and when I looked at a movie and I was like yeah they, they, like this is good Star Trek, you know, they've got the uniforms, they've updated the Enterprise, you know, you, you can tell that they're going to do things like, I mean, any any person could tell that they're going to update things, they're going to, you know, make visually, it's going to look better and things like that, but was the core Star Trek there? 
and in my opinion it was but the problem that i that i struggled with was where did it fit in the universe and i remember reading somewhere that the jj what the the jj universe is as i think that's what you called it um it didn't fit in with the original series in terms of directly on top of it 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 was like a parallel universe of that the original series uh and i could be wrong it's open for discussion you know i don't mind people expressing their views on it and things like that um but that's kind of like once i had read that somewhere it made sense to me and you know that's kind of how i've kind of left it and uh, uh and understood it now linking it to discovery where i read previously and i could be corrected on this one that it was set in between the kirk movies of undiscovered country if that's right like in between that kind of era um basically where i was wearing the red uniforms anyway and um yeah but obviously it's it takes place on a completely different ship so it's gonna be interesting but yeah um with the jj trek it is a different universe um <laughs> basically it's what is explained by spock when he mind melds with kirk when he finds him in um the cave and he says about what's happened with nero so uh, yeah. he basically just says that um, it is a separate timeline. Now, whether or not the original timeline got erased, technically, or it just broke off and it's part of the multiverse, um, who knows? But, yeah, it, it changed an awful lot of things and it was a different reality. And, of course, lots of things changed because... This came at a time when basically Kirk was born. So you'd got a couple of decades where things were different because the Federation had this huge attack from this ship that was so much more powerful and just sort of disappeared. And it sort of killed a lot of people, so much so that you ended up, when it came to Beyond, that you actually had the Kelvin pods as sort of the sort of um um the emergency pods um so it's a bit like the titanic sort of it mm. didn't have enough things so every ship had to basically have enough for every passenger because of that um the same sort of thing lots of things became different so when it came to into darkness one of the things with admiral marcus is he saw things changing and things needed protecting. So he built this huge, great sodding ship to basically be there to protect against other big ships like Nero's because it's just like, well, what other things are out there? So lots of things changed because of it. And even when it came to like the JJ ships, they were a lot bigger and different because of things that happened. Um, it also allowed things to be more modernized and stuff like that. Um, so, but this is now more on what's known as the prime verse. Um, but it's still set before sort of Kirk, I think by 10 years of him captaining the ship. 
So it'll be interesting to see their design choices, basically. But as Sorry, I said, it's... Did you say this was set before Kirk? Yeah, um, Discovery is set before Kirk. Before the Kirk of the original series or Kirk of the movies? Um, Kirk in the original series. Oh. <laughs> that, that, that is interesting. I completely agree with what you said. It'd be interesting to see what the designs of the ships are. But at the same time, it'd be interesting to see what it's like out in space, you know? Like, will they meet the Klingons for the first time or the Romulans or, you know, you, you don't get none of that. Well, we know, we know that the Klingons have already been met because the Klingons were met back in Enterprise. So yes, that happened, true. what, 100 years before almost? Um, so... Yeah, they've already known the Klingons for several decades at that point. When it comes mm. to the Romulans, they had met the Romulans, but they've just never seen them because they don't see the Romulans until um, the Enterprise meets them um, in the original series. So, yeah, um, so yeah it, it's going to be interesting to see how and where they take this. Um but as we already know, there are Klingons involved. But it'll be interesting to see whether or not they actually have many of the Klingons more looking like humans based on what we know happened to them. Because, of course, in the original series, they were usually just sort of darker skinned and things like that. But they looked human. And basically, Enterprise explained that because... Even in Deep Space Nine, Worf just goes, we don't talk about that. <laughs> yeah. It's not actually explained, but at least with Enterprise, they did fill in that gap. So, yeah. That um, was well thought out, actually. When yeah, that, in the gap. yeah, definitely. It was a great way to sort of fit those storylines together. Because, of course, when it came to Enterprise, the very first episode, you've got a Klingon that looked like a Klingon that we saw in The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine and voyager and it's just like hey wait a minute <laughs> why yeah. so it, it was really good to sort of um have that explained so but on the discussion of klingons i can't remember if we actually discussed it in last week's show or we just discussed it in our chat but there was a leak of a photo of supposedly klingons now, there is an article on TrekCore.com, which the author, or at least a member of TrekCore, actually reached out to the person who posted it. Um, so this was Andy McKay, and someone had actually put in, Hi, sorry to bother, but there was a picture leaking around of supposed Klingons care to confirm or deny if they are actually Klingons and Andrew McKay actually replied no I just thought they kind of look like them so uh, Alex Wonder in chat said no it was not in the show so yeah we'd had this whole conversation in our own chat and it's just like look sorry even the thing doesn't actually say they are Klingons in the caption it just says hanging out with my new Klingon crew today on set so because it's basically just saying on set of the new Star Trek Discovery um, sort of thing. And it's just like, just because he's hanging around with his Klingon crew, it could be an extra who's in makeup 
and he's looking at these other aliens who have already had their stuff done. There was no no thing there that actually said these were Klingons. And I know people like Zombie sort of disagreed with what I'd said with that. It's just like, no, basically the, what he has said is hanging out with my new Klingon crew and that's the photo. It's just like, well, sorry, that could we just be someone sort of doing that for clickbait because he wants to get sort of like noticed, which, hey, <laughs> it worked. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, it looks um, to be that these are not Klingons. So this is another alien race. Um, but as uh, sort of others in our chat um, and our triples chat actually said, is that these do look like the uniforms that were actually seen when it came to that video that came out um, the other week. So, because um, it was in that production trailer that we saw. Now, one of the other things that they have got is the Twitter account um, at Star Trek Dog, um, so, which is the semi-official writer's room Twitter account. Um, I basically just said, one less extra. Sorry. <laughs> so... Yeah, it looks like it. He may have been an extra, and now he's not. So, uh, whether, well, I mean, but considering that he would have had to have signed an NDA and to post things without permission, which is looks like what he's done because he's actually pulled it down. Naughty so, boy. <laughs> but the thing is, is, the internet being the internet, nothing's ever properly deleted. So uh, yeah, people had got copies of it. I mean, looking at the, looking at the picture. Obviously, you can tell that they're on the set of Discovery. They're filming it, so on and so on. I actually tend to agree with... Was it Zombie that you said that said about the clickbait thing? Yeah, um, well, I said it. I think it was clickbait um, and that they weren't actually Klingons. That yeah. if it was someone who was either saying it as clickbait and wasn't actually hanging out with anyone Klingon or he was being dressed up as Klingon and he was in the um, makeup chairs with other Klingons and that was his view. Yeah, see, I don't... I mean, I'm only going by looking at the picture right now and obviously they, they don't... I mean, I don't know what looks Klingon and what doesn't in that kind of era because obviously I've only got Enterprise and the original series and and the information that we've been given but they don't... They don't look as Klingon as what I thought they would look. So I'm going with the clickbait thing, but also to the fact that they are probably an alien race that will feature in Discovery. How and why, I don't know, but that's kind of the angle that I'm kind of going with. Yeah, and so I look at them, because, yeah, I can see why some people may have thought they were actually Klingons because if you have a look at the Kelvin timeline and the way that J.J. Abrams had his Klingons look because that was sort of more flattened ridges which could have been explained to what was actually seen in Enterprise because even in the J.J. verse what happened in Enterprise would have still happened because at that time the timeline hadn't split off so 
yeah. Yeah, if that at that point Ridges had started to come back like in the JJ verse for a lot of them and then to sort of like they had got then piercings to sort of like as something instead of because maybe not all Klingons were affected. Um yeah. I could see why some people can look at that because these aliens do have some sort of ridges, although unlike Klingons we've seen before, none of them have any hair. So, mm. but no, I looked at that and thought, no, they are not Klingons. Yeah, at first glance, I can I can completely agree with you. The mistake can be easily made. I mean, one you can actually see the front of one of the Klingons' face on the left. Uh, well, of one of the the person's face on the left and you can see that they've got that that kind of rigid mark that the klingons had on their head you know while the while they're augmented you know the before they transformed from a flat head to the rigid head that wolf had in deep space nine you know and obviously the article does have re- does have references to uh you know klingons from the motion picture where their heads are rigid and things like that but the the uniform i mean <sighs> The uniform and what the the type of uniform that they're wearing in the picture doesn't really <clears throat> doesn't really suggest to me that it's Klingon warrior like. But I mean, I could be wrong. But yeah, the you know the alien. I think it's just I think it's an a, a warrior alien race, but I don't think it's necessarily Klingon. Exactly. So, but um, yeah, based on Andrew McKay's response via Facebook um, to the person from trekcore.com it says at the top of the blog by trekcore staff um, don't think I've seen another name of who actually wrote it Um, but yeah his confirmation is it's not Klingon he just thought they looked like Um, so this is the person that actually posted the photo so so yeah, not Klingon crew, other aliens. No, but obviously it does there are Klingons in Discovery because the guy that got busted was a Klingon extra. So Well <laughs> it's assumed he's a Klingon extra. But yeah, we assumed. know from official posts on like Star Trek.com that Discovery has actually cast three people to be regular Klingons. There you go. So, <laughs> what a silly person, though. <laughs> yeah. On a big, if you're on a big set like that as an extra, and you go and do something as silly as that, just so you can get it on the internet, wow, waste of time. Indeed, but of course the link will be in our show notes, so you can always have a look at not only the photo, but um, all the information about it as well. So definitely worth a look okay let's find out what's going on with conventions convention news i actually quite like that one (laughs) (laughs) i like the bongos i like the bongos (laughs) so um few weeks ago now we had will and ross from fcd events um join us to talk about out of the ashes 2.0 
Um, they have recently just announced that Jonathan Frakes has had to cancel attending. So he's had a last minute job to, um, offer to direct on a project that clashes with the event. Um, unfortunately, this seems to be a thing with Jonathan Frakes. Um, in the last probably two years, I think any convention that I follow news from, I have heard where he has been expected, he has pulled out. So, which is completely understandable. Um, he gets a paid gig doing what he does um, of producing, directing. He's going to take it. Um, so, so, yeah, it's a shame. Now, there's only 40 days until FCD um, out of the ashes 2.0 actually goes ahead. Um, despite that, they are still going to try and see if they can actually get a replacement guest. And we will update you if that actually happens. But despite the fact that Jonathan Frakes won't be there, they still have um, several people there. So we have Bruce Boxenlina, and I've probably just said his name wrong. Um, he's from Babylon 5 and Tron. Um, you've got Claudia Christian, who is in Babylon 5 as well. Um, you've got Aaron Eisenberg, who will be there. People will know him from Deep Space Nine. He was Nog. You've got J.G. Hertzler, again, Although he has been in um, a lot of characters within Star Trek, he is mainly known for being the Klingon Martok. You've got David Blue from Stargate Universe. You've got Robert Picardo. Um, he was the EMH Doctor in Voyager. Then you've also got Rainbow Sun Franks, who was in Stargate Atlantis. And you've got John Carrigan, who has done some work in Star Trek, but is mainly known for being in Star Trek Phase 2 and Star Trek Renegades. So, yeah, still got quite a lot of people attending. And as I said, they're going to try and see if they can get somebody else as well. So, next up, um, we have got... Um, I guess it's time to have a look what's going on on the holodeck. Holodeck. So, last week we talked about what we left behind the Star Trek Deep Space Nine documentary. So, only just over a week into it, um, their aim was to raise $148,978. Um, as it stands, a little while ago, they have raised 309600 with 400, sorry, 4,560 backers and there's still 21 days remaining so they had a stretch goal of 250,000 which of course is hit 
So their next stretch goal is 350,000. Now, last week, um, we actually had some of the crew here at Tribbles express concern over the fact that, is this really legit? Is CBS backing it? Um, so I'd said that I would reach out to try and see if we can speak to them to sort of figure out sort of what's going on. So um, I put in a request for some interviews. So I got back. Thanks for your offer. We'll be happy to add it to our list of requests. However, as you can imagine, Ira and Adam have been approached about a number of press and podcast requests currently, and we're unable to accommodate all of them. The added complication of speaking publicly about legal issues for a case we're not involved in, which suggests that maybe it will be a pass from them. But again, I'll be happy to share it with our team and to let you know. I'm happy to say that we are in full coordination with CBS Studios and have their approval and blessing for this project. They have signed off on all aspects of the campaign page and allowed us to use clips in our current videos and are working with us on discussions about the film content. As a documentary, we are under different copyright laws than a scripted project slash fan film would be, but have full intention of licensing the content we use with the copyright holders where necessary and have already been working with CBS Studios and their partners to license all memorabilia offered on our campaign page. You'll note that this team's last project, For the Love of Spock, worked successfully with CBS, Paramount and many other copyright holders to license the content. And the bulk of these fees were funded through crowdfunding. Hope this helps and thanks for your message. And that was from producer and campaign manager, um, Kay DeMillo um, Folsom. Again, sorry if I've butchered your name. As everybody on the show knows, <laughs> I am useless when it comes to saying names. Is, so. is this the uh, same documentary that Spock's, well, not Spock's, Leonard Nimoy's son, Ad, Adam Nimoy, spoke out about? Or he's, or he's directing... Um, yeah, Adam Nimoy is involved in this project um as well um so and um i forgot what i was going to say now so i was too busy reading what alex had put in chats um which i may as well read that now um it is a wonderful that he says all that stuff but didn't alec peters also claim that cbs was fine with whatever he was doing shrug i'm not saying he's lying just saying that since axana trust might be a little harder to come by um, which is true which is one of the reasons why we wanted to speak to them because of course saying that and that being true it can be different things now the only difference is given the amount of people that are backing it and as i mentioned last week and sort of how high level they are in comparison to sort of a nobody trying to make his name using Star Trek. Yeah, I don't see that being the case, to be honest. I have to say, I mean, when I, did, I personally didn't know nothing about it until it kind of popped up everywhere. And the things that were popping up was uh, 
was Deep Space Nine want to do a documentary based on what happened while they were filming Deep Space Nine. Now, I could be completely wrong about it, but that's kind of like the gist of what... Well, as all part of the celebrating 50 years of Star Trek and the 25 years of Deep Space Nine, which I'm reading on their site right now, um, I kind of understand it a lot more why they're making the documentary. Um, Like we said before, it's... um, directed by Adam Nimoy, who did that very successful documentary about Spock beforehand, if I'm not mistaken. Um, But what's interesting about this is, like you said, the people that got behind it, like um, Terry... uh, Terry Farrell was behind it as well. She obviously played um, uh, the Trill... um, My mind's gone blank now. Dax. there you go see thank you (laughs) she played Dax on uh, Deep Space Nine Um, you know that's the only kind of big name that I know of so far besides obviously Adam Nimoy but you think that with someone like her behind it you'd think that it's kind of well I I would think it was legit um, and that it was a proper uh, camp it was a proper like production now why they've gone through the crowdfunding I'm not 100% sure but Maybe there's a reason to that that I don't know about. Right. Well, one of the things that Alex has also said in chat, well, J.G. Hertzler, Tony Todd, Richard Hatch, they're not nobodies. And yes, that's true. But we're also talking about people who are writers and producers for Star Trek. So it's not just people who are actors who would like to act again in the Star Trek universe. It's also Adam Nimoy, who is actually employed by CBS um, as an executive producer for new Star Trek Discovery. So if the, especially the fact that he is involved in this project, if I had any doubt of the fact that he is one of the driving forces behind it, he would not be employed by CBS anymore to do with um, Discovery. Um, and this would come to a complete halt if he had not have been sort of up front and talking to the studio, especially given what had happened with Axana. So the fact that, especially that Adam Nimoy is involved and his involvement in Discovery, and the fact that he's working for CBS, just like, yeah, this is above board. Um, so for me, that removes any doubts, which I think other people are having. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the the, the page now, and uh, currently they're on um, over three hundred thousand um, dollars raised by over four thousand people. And obviously, as you scroll down, it tells you about what the story is and about who is involved and. I didn't actually realise, but it is pretty much most, if not all, the cast of Deep Space Nine, as well as the writers that you said, like J.G. Hertzinger. I'm probably going to destroy names like you, but, um, you know, even Robert O'Reilly, who played Galron, um, you know, uh, Iran Stevens, you know. So, yeah, I think we can all safely say that, (laughs) that it's legit. But, I mean, we've... 
why uh, it just beg- to me it just begs the question of why didn't CBS as all right, fair enough they said yes to doing it but why didn't they make it why didn't they put the money in and did a whole documentary on it do you know what I mean like why didn't they bring something out themselves rather than whoever set this up has to go through crowdfunding to to raise the money to to get it done I mean looking at their goals they have to get to like 425,000 just to just to film additional roundtable interviews with the crew members and fans, you know? But again, this is just extra stuff that they can add if ah. they got funding. Now, if you read all the blurb, they've already obviously got funding for some of what they want to do, but they want to do more. Crowdfunding allows them to do that extra stuff. They want to keep things above board. So some of the extra stuff they want to do requires extra licensing. So that will cover the cost for those sorts of things. Because as I mentioned last week, doing a documentary in some ways is quite simple. But when people are talking about things, if the people watching the documentary haven't seen it, it could be hard to relate to what's being talked about. But if you're able to license the stock footage to be used and you insert that in with what's being said, it becomes an awful lot more understandable and a lot more relatable to people who haven't watched everything in Star Trek that's being discussed. So, um, but as I said, there were concerns because, of course, Alec Peters at one point did say, oh, yes, CBS is behind us. And yeah, they hadn't people out there although as it shows there are thousands of people who are fine with it they're funding it including myself um, I have actually backed the project there are n- no doubt some people who are going hmm have CBS actually done that so um, what I'm going to do is this came through just before um, this reply actually came through just before the show So I haven't actually replied to it yet. So um, what I'm going to do is to see if maybe someone who maybe isn't Ira or Adam, maybe one of the producers or um, directors can come and talk to us and just say, explain that we don't want to go into the legal sort of case about Axanar, that because of that case is people have questions about sort of how do we know that CBS are backing it as sort of proof and see if maybe um, somebody else involved in the project could maybe talk to us or um, if they're happy just to um, answer some of the questions via emails, then um, I will see if we um, can get some response. But they, they were pretty good with getting back and sort of gave some information. And um, yeah, I will see if we can get some more stuff sort of clarified um based on some of the concerns that have been raised by um people in our chat by the hosts on the show and sort of things listed in some of the feedback that we've got so so yeah um i'll see if we can clarify that um further as the sort of days go on yeah it does look like an amazing project and obviously i can't wait to see it um great that you've backed it i'll have to put my uh 
five dollars in at some point or i'm just looking at the amounts because you can obviously donate different amounts and stuff like that and you get different perks if you like but yeah it's, it'd be um it'll be it'll be a great documentary i mean why <laughs> one question why do they not get william shatner <laughs> he loves to do documentaries do he <laughs> um well it's about deep space nine not the original series so oh he killed it <laughs> <laughs> no, that's pro- <laughs> so yeah um i would say that's probably one of the sort of big reasons behind it um plus with a big name like william shatner it's a i suppose it's a way to take the spotlight away from um of the people it's supposed to be about so okay so moving on um just a reminder that the circuit um which is manu interamis um project we had him on a few weeks ago of course um so that is due for launch mid-march so if we find that anything else is released before then we'll of course let you know the outer rim so they are actually starting um shooting um next week um so i've had an update from them saying the cast is traveling next thursday and friday um with a table read and production meeting set for friday shooting to begin saturday and run through the following thursday um if you would like to have a sneak peek at the flight deck of the audrey which is the new name for the ship. The construction is nearly complete and they have a video on their Facebook page. Um, they also have other construction videos and pictures um, of the, on their Facebook page as well. Of course, all the links will, of course, be um, going to um, be listed in our show notes. So um, now, of course, this was... Um, originally star trek anthology um which because of um everything going on with axanar and the fan film guidelines that were released um they decided rather than changing what they had um is that they would just remove all of star trek out of their um their productions so um yeah the release and the filming has of course been delayed so um, we will keep you updated when we hear more now we've mentioned axanar a few times already and we're going to talk about a little bit more um we actually had someone post um an edit of the prelude to axanar where they had actually taken out um Basically, they had removed Alec Peters from it. Um, So what they did is they completely eliminated his role. And what they did is they included um, some other footage of the actor that played Garth originally. So, um, and funnily enough, Axanar, within hours, actually um, got it removed due to copyright by Axanar Productions. Well, I'm sorry. Wasn't part of their settlement agreement that they cannot claim copyright or trademarks on anything to do with Star Trek? 
So are they not now sort of in breach of their settlement agreement? Um, it'll be interesting to find out. But uh, yeah, at the moment, the video was taken down, although Axa Monitor has actually put it on their Facebook page. So um, it is still out there. So links will be in our show notes to the Axa Monitor pages. Um, so <laughs> the funny thing is, it actually works so much better without Alec Peters in it. <laughs> the thing is, before I even knew who Alec Peters was and what he looked like um, before this whole mess sort of kicked off, his role in it I actually thought was the weakest in there. Um, so, yeah, now this has actually been done. It does work better. Um, so if you haven't seen it, um, yeah, please do. As I said, links will be in our show notes. Yeah, I think I'll have to check that out because I'm not... I mean, I don't know too much about the whole goings-on of um, CBS and Axiar and so on and so on. Um, obviously, I saw Star Trek Renegades and, you know, I'm I'm, I'm assuming that Axiar was trying to do a similar thing with that, but with the whole like, Alex Peters thing as well, I don't really know too much about it, so I can't really comment that much, but... To be honest, from what everyone else has said, it just <laughs> it sounds like I don't even want to even attempt to get involved in it. So I'm just going to put that one to the side and move on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, and Axel Monitor also interviewed the person that did the interview and he sort of explains why he went about doing that and that. Uh, and... Yeah, it's it's interesting, but basically he did it as a fan of the prelude to Axanar. He liked it, but thought it would work in a slightly different way. And yeah, it uh, it's just the fact that sort of the first thing that Axanar Productions do is they file a thing for copyright infringement, which they can't claim copyright on anyway. So. I do hope that he actually puts, he does fight that claim because just like every other thing that Axanar put a copyright claim on uh, when it came to videos on YouTube, um, they actually got put, the videos got put back um, after a little while. So, um, so yeah, <laughs> um, I think that'll probably be what happens again because basically if the person who's, got a claim against them says no it should be put back on the video gets put back on unless alec peters wants to take them to court which well for one he doesn't have the money and two he doesn't have the copyright to so he's got no leg to stand on but uh yeah it'll be interesting how that'll unfold now alec peters has been interviewed by fanfilmfactor.com um so it's in a two-part blog. Um, now, I haven't fully read this, um, but just quickly scanning through the um, what's actually put. Um, basically, the person who's done this is Jonathan Lane. He seems to be a fan and donator to Axanar, and even in his blog says that he plans to be one of the private donors for the future productions of it. So it's obviously not 
it's more sided towards fans of Axanar and basically people who believe anything that Alex says. And he's also been, Alec Pierce has also been interviewed by Trek Yards, who, again, they are fans of Axanar and of Alec Peters, and, again, seem to believe everything he says, despite the fact that even in, because I did watch that YouTube um, interview with Trek Yards, and he's still going back on things that he said. Um, one example is that they only ever raised enough for a third of the movie with the first Kickstarter, despite the fact that one of the updates to the first um, fundraiser was that they had raised enough to do half of what they want. So, again, it's just like, was he lying then or is he lying now? And it's just, yeah. It's just... <sighs> be honest it's getting boring sort of every time this bloke speaks to someone he changes what he said and what he's printed and what he's messaged it's just like just say the same thing just like seriously if you're going to lie then use the same fucking lie don't keep just bullshitting every time you open your mouth because that's what it seems to be yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Personally, I just wish he'd just hurry up and make it and send it out because then he can say to people, look, this is what I've made and slap it in their faces if that's what he plans on doing. I mean, I just read the... I just clicked on the link and I, I read uh, w what they had described and uh, basically fan f the, the person who wrote the article was a fan of it in terms of he agreed on what Alec Peters was doing in terms of taking on CBS and whatever, whatever. But from my personal perspective, I would rather he just produce what he wants to produce and then get it out there, isn't it? The same as Renegade, you know? Obviously, Renegade's done the same thing. They've done crowdfunding. They, you know, they got... All right, they had higher-profile names in it, but he's not without his higher-profile names either with a couple of people that he's got in according to the article, he's got in his films. So just get it made, get it out there, show people what you can do in it, you know? And there's already a prequel on YouTube. Um, so, you know what I mean? That's kind of how I'll look at it. Yeah, it, as I said, it's just what he should have done in the first place is he crowdfunded for a film, is he just used that money and created what he could with it. Instead... He then wanted to do bigger, better, um, and it got so bad that Tony Todd left, which of course he kept quiet. Um, so the the basically everybody who was behind the making of the prelude <laughs> turned around and went goodbye. That's the worst position to be in, especially considering the prelude could have. Well, I don't know if it is because I haven't seen it personally, but. It could be doing really well on YouTube, you know, and obviously the lawsuit, if what the article says is true, has allowed the prelude to still be on YouTube without taking it down. So, yeah. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, it's just like he should have just made the film to begin with um, rather than all this messing around. And so this whole thing yeah. about instead of renting studio space like every other person sort of like the leasing of it and 
it's just like sorry that wasn't part of the budget and what you plan to do in the first sort of iteration of doing that sort of there's no need for it and uh, yeah it's just yeah as i said it's just the fact that every time he opens his mouth that it's just like he changes what he says every time and then denies he said it and it's just like your tweets your messages are out there people have screenshots of what you have said just like yeah it's, it's, I mean from what I've heard it's not exactly great stuff you know but like I said produce it get it out there slap it in people's faces I'll hold my hands up and say fair play to you do you know what I mean but because you because by the sounds of it there's nothing to show for what he's done I'll just let him get on with it and like you said it's getting boring now do you know what I mean you can't carry on about it and carry on about it and carry on about it without you know people have put their money into it and people obviously want to see it made so just get get out of there and make it in it build your bridges and you know i mean like i said i know i know renegades is not quite the same thing but i watch renegades i watched it on youtube and wherever else and then there was a trailer for renegades 2 who still had some of the original cast members in it for number one so i've watched the trailer and i'm like yeah you know what i actually want to watch renegades 2 and that kind of play could possibly make me want to donate in that. Do you know what I mean? Whereas with this, if like I haven't even seen the pre- prelude, but judging by what all this is like, judging by how this has all happened, and you know what people have said that he said, and blah blah blah, and what he, you know, and and the fact that there's no axia to to promote anyway, I don't have much faith for it. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Yeah, um, (laughs) but yeah, it's just as I said, he needs to get things sorted. And unfortunately, you've got his fanboys, which are basically they're now just going to sort of pay out even more money for him to keep his studio and and still no axia. It's just like. Yeah, just it's amazing that despite everything that's out there, that people still think he's someone that's actually trustworthy. And it's just like, how, why, but just I don't I think, know. I think it's going to be one of these things where only time will tell. I mean, yeah. I mean, I know, I know it sounds. Well, from what, like I said, what I've heard, there's been a, it's been enough time already. But with Axia in production or not, you know, with what whatever else is going on, I mean, is he, you know, is he concentrating on actually making it, or is he just concentrating on the interviews that he's doing with everyone and telling everyone that he's making it, but not actually making it, you know? At and, the moment, he's getting things set up to make it which will include fundraising to pay for the studio and it's just but he's already raised over a million isn't he i mean i could be wrong but oh that's all gone oh everything he's raised has all now gone i'll take that back well if i was a person that put my money into that and i didn't see no axia 
I won't be putting more money into it. Let's just put it that way. And that that is my personal opinion. I could probably I'll probably get hated for it. You know, I just like to see product for my money. And as an avid Star Trek fan, and I'll and someone making a fan filled Star Trek series or whatever you want to call it, I I wouldn't be putting my money into that if I'd done it in the first place and I didn't see no axia for it unless the prelude was included in that well no the prelude Ah. was actually crowdfunded first and um and that was actually to say what they want to do but uh, yeah My, my heart goes out to them people the ones that have donated anyway (laughs) <laughs> sorry i can't like i say i can't i can't say too much about it i can only give my personal opinions because obviously i don't know the ins and outs the facts of why it slowed down and so on and so on it's just that like i said as an avid star trek fan i can easily get excited about someone making a new movie or making a new fan fiction um and obviously, yeah, possibly pump my money into it, but to not see it is kind of disappointing. Mm. But yeah, thing is, I saw Prelude, liked what was suggested. So on the first Kickstarter for Axanar itself, I was actually one of the donors. So, ah. um, and yeah, then certain things started happening. So I asked questions and. Then I had Alec actually contacting me. Um, basically, then he threatened me, tried bullying me, um, doxed me, and it's just like, seriously? Just like, oh, just, yeah. Well, you've just pretty much answered my question of how did you feel about that then? <laughs> yeah, it's just like simple and honest questions that people were asking and I'd got questions about and yeah he started demanding that I remove it from my personal page it's just like no it's an it's an honest question and I'd like an answer for it and why does it matter that it's posted on my page? And yeah, he then said, if you don't remove it, I'm going and so threatening to remove me from all the groups and everything else. It's just like, no, I'm a donor. You can't just remove me. And so, yeah, then he forced a refund to me, which I hadn't got it straight away. Um, I said, well, I still haven't seen any refund come through. So he then tweeted a picture of the confirmation with my PayPal email address and that um, onto the uh, main Axanar Twitter account saying, there, it has been done. It's just like, yeah, thanks for doxing me, especially as someone who had been bitching about being doxed himself because he was dumb enough to go and list his godchild's address on a public record document for the incorporation of Axanar Productions or wherever it was and then pitched that somebody had listed that information or listed a link to that information as just like you were stupid enough to list that in a public document and you're bitching because someone linked to it mm. just like sorry 
you're the dumbass that has been doing that. Oh, definitely. And why, why didn't he direct message him and put it in there? Do you know what I mean? Or well, yeah, why didn't he make it more secure, you know? Yeah, it, it, and especially as he had all just beforehand, he had already messaged me through Facebook. So he'd already tried threatening me and bullying me through Facebook. So he had already been sort of messaging me privately. So why he then doxed me? Um, and I think still today that is actually on there as well. Um, so it's yeah, just, I have no yeah. respect for the bloke at all. Um, no, fair enough. So, I can't understand your point of view now, mate. But uh, anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Star Trek Horizon has actually reached 5.1 million views. So this is the fan film by Tommy Craft, who we've had on the show a few times. Um, now, of course, this was actually published on the 26th of February 2016. So it's not even been a year and it's already reached 5.1 million views. And you compare that to the prelude of Axanar that was actually published on the 15th of August 2014. So, yeah, at least sort of what, a year and a half before? And that has only reached just over 2.9 million. So, but again, sort of at least Tommy Craft actually produced something. He got the money and he used that money to actually do what he intended. So, um, but no, I thoroughly enjoyed Star Trek Horizon. And um, yeah, I was glad to support that film. So. Yeah, it looks pretty good. I'll have to watch it. Um... But it looks like it's set in the Enterprise era. It is, yeah. Ah. So, yeah, it looks really good. So, it's um, set um, just before um, the war with the Romulans. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, so, so, yeah, if you haven't seen it already, definitely worth a watch. And, of course... Um, the link to Star Trek Horizon will be in our show notes. Okay, well, that's it for Holodeck. So, it's time to find out what's going on in the community. In the community. <laughs> dance party starts in half a minute. Get out on the dance floor. <laughs> okay, so... I don't know about you, Midnight, but this is actually quite. This is actually my favourite part of the uh, podcast, as well as the uh, Star Trek Online heebie-jeebies, because uh, this is the part where we actually get to interact with the community, or the community actually interacts with us. Indeed. So, correct me if I'm wrong, because um, this is actually the first time I've read this in the community bit, and I'm actually quite excited, as you can tell. <laughs> But um, the first bit is Mav needs to get back to work. Is yeah. Um, now, for anyone who's listened to the show for a while, um, we've supported Mav as much as we can. Um, he, of course, was the host of Stoked Radio and um, has always been as active as he can when it comes to the community for Star Trek Online. Um. Now, he's had a lot of problems with his health, um, which included sort of kidney failure, 
which basically resulted through all the health complications, him losing his house and his family. So to basically start afresh, he has moved in with friends, um, but that he had to move across country where he was hoping to get some work. So he's looking to start back up his um, business, um, which he needs his computer equipment in order to do that. So most of that is still in storage with family and friends back where he previously lived in Cleveland. And he's looking for help to get sort of the stuff over. So um, this week he has gone in for his first checkup. Um, that was a couple of days ago. Um, so haven't heard. I know he's been posting stuff to social media, but he hasn't posted um, any response. I expect that they've more than likely just done some more tests, which usually he'll get sort of results in a few days. So um, I don't expect that he's received any yet as he hasn't actually posted anything from what I've seen so far. But is there like an update that he's done, which I'm kind of looking at at the top? Um, yeah, he has um, said, I'm halfway to the goal. Thank you all to who have contributed. Please help me reach my goal by donating or spreading the word. And thank you in advance for your continued support. So, um, yeah, thank you. He's looking to raise $500, and he's raised half of that so far. Uh, it sounds like a worthy cause, for sure. Definitely. Okay. So, um, so, yeah, links will, of course, be in our show notes. Um, and just one last thing for community. Um, last week, um, we said we we're going to pick the winners of our competition from our 250th episode. Um, we have posted that in last week's show notes. So the winners are as follows. Alex Wonder, you have won the Krenum Imperium Warship and a TOS Boff. And Chozo Elder Second, you have won the Paradox Temple Dreadnought, a poster signed by the Stowe developers, and a TOS Boff. And Garrick's Garrick S1 or Garrick Section 31 and Darakos, um, you have both won a lockbox key. Um, in order to claim your prizes, can you please send us an email to hosts at tribblesandxc.com? Um, Chozo Elder Second has already emailed. Um, I haven't got round to replying to you yet, but I will do soon. Um, and Derekos, when you contact me, I'll be able to give you your code because you have won the Legacy of Romulus Start Pack from our last year's giveaway that I still haven't heard back from you about. So I've still got the code for that as well. So as well as the lockbox key that I'll need to arrange to um, give you in-game, um, I want to be able to give you that code. So, yeah, please send in an email as soon as you can. Definitely. You do not want to miss out on them prizes. But congratulations to all the winners of that competition. Um, and I hope you enjoy your ships and lockbot keys. Okay. So time for the actual community feedback. Community feedback. 
Join with us. Share your thoughts. Resistance is futile. Love it. Okay, so community feedback um, <clears throat> with regards to question one, which was, do you buy science ships in Star Trek Online? And I'm probably going to destroy some names, but I apologize in advance if I do or if I pronounce them wrong. Uh, Chosander the second via the STO forum said... I mostly get cruisers since most of my favourite ship classes tend to be in that category. I remember that I had no idea how science ships worked when I first started playing. That changed after years passed by. Now it's fun to fly just about every ship I can get my hands on. So yeah, I acquired science ships. I buy roughly 85% of my Zen with Dilithium. He's a grinder. I occasionally buy Zen with money, but only in small amounts when I could use some quick EC. I definitely can't afford to throw $120 for the Mega Bundle, and I completely understand where you're coming from there. I want both the Starfleet and Gorn packs, so I eventually grind for the Mega Bundle to get the Romulan ones for free. It takes a while, but I'm patient. Disclaimer, cryptic, I am not responsible for holding off on this mega bundle temporarily. If you ever end up bringing the USS Kelvin from 09 into STO as of right now, the Kelvin is straight up the very last Kelvin universe ship I want, in brackets, because I don't like the Kelvin Enterprise A or the Franklin. <coughs> Alex Wanner, or if I pronounce that right, I'm so sorry if I didn't. Alex Wanger. Wonder, sorry, there you go. Said, uh, that's a tough question to answer. See, this is not my main MMO. So obviously, I'm not going to put as much time, money, effort into this game. I'm also a bit of an alt-oholic. Not quite as much as Midnight. <laughs> oh. But I, hey, like I don't have that many characters. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I still, I still need to see some proof of that. <laughs> so it's difficult for me to justify getting a ship that will mostly, well, that will most likely, sorry, be used by just one or two characters. I mean, my main character is a Fed engineer. I love the Sovereign class, high five. I love that too. I may not enjoy the oversized warp cells of the. What's the C-Store version of the C6 Sovereign? I can't remember the name, but it's difficult for me to justify buying that ship because it would most likely be used as just that one character. I prefer what Cryptic likes to call the most bang for the buck. So the legacy of Romulus bundle is vastly more desirable than a single Romulus ship and the Delta Rising the Delta Rising bundle, sorry, is vastly more desirable than the Romulan bundle. TLDR, no, I haven't, and for the foreseeable future, I won't. So that's some great feedback there. the The second question was: Will you use the com- Will you use the community-made Star Trek timelines worksheets discussed? And we didn't get any feedback for that one. Question three was, what do you think of the new bumpers we have? Ooh. 
Chosander second said, my favourite was Marina's line from the community one. Get out on the dance floor. That's got a laugh. That got a laugh out of me. It wouldn't have been twice as good if the line, don't you want an EFO friend was added in. <laughs> don't you want an EFO friend? There you go. Best impression there. <laughs> Alex Wonjar. I hope I've got that right. I'm sorry if I didn't. Uh, said, I happen to really like the bumpers. I just hope you asked a certain someone whether you could use those voice bits. Well, you might have asked, you might have had to ask the company if you can use those clips at all. But even when I would still ask the person in question, just to be safe, out of curiosity, of course. Um, Did you ask anyone? Yeah, ages ago, I asked um, Captain Smirk. Um, so this was a few, um, well, a few, a couple of community managers back about using images and um, audio tracks. So um, it wasn't an issue, especially as we don't make any money or anything else like this it's a fan production so it's all, all fair use but yeah i had checked out about using sounds from stowe and um, images from stowe and blogs and things like that um years ago so um as i've mentioned i think last week when it came to actually doing these bumpers it's something that i've had on my to-do list for a very long time um bringing them back because as i sort of mentioned tribbles used to have them um so but yeah and um, as i said i did ask about those sorts of things quite a while ago and they definitely make an improvement as far as i was concerned because they sound great <laughs> Okay, so moving on to community question four. What are your thoughts on the Deep Space Nine documentary? And Chosan the second said, when Hannah Haiti Haita talks um, about an sorry, yeah, Hannah Hata, I think it's pronounced. Nice. See, I've yeah, I, I always get that one wrong. I know it's pronounced a particular way, and um, she does get fussy, which is understandable if people get it wrong. She'll soon pick you up on it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, she played um, Molly O'Brien in Deep Space Nine. Ah, see, yeah, I saw the picture on the website. When uh, Hannah Hatta, oh, I can't do it. Anyway, it talks about a newer generation of fans getting into the series. I nodded. I'm one of those people. The idea of this documentary is ex is exciting. Unfortunately, I understand what Sun and Timber were saying, and they're right. Names don't matter anymore after the whole Axia kerfuffle. To be fair, all it would take for me would be a simple statement on Facebook or Twitter from CBS about this documentary that sums it up as it's fine. And I completely understand where you're coming from there. I would also love it if one of their reps could join a session on Tribbles. Either way, I'm crossing my fingers and hoping this documentary sees the light of day. Alex Wanga said, I know there's so much in there. I didn't read the Kickstarter, Indiegogo, 
wherever they did their crowdfunding, but you make it sound like they did not just ask CBS for permission to use some clips. They actually want to acquire a license to sell official merchandise. Uh, um, what makes you think that this is a non-profit venture? That sounds very for-profit to me. I mean, that is the whole idea behind acquiring a license. You pay someone to be able to use their franchise slash idea to make money out of it. Now, don't get me wrong. They could use that money to pay for their expenses and donate any surplus to some charity. But if it was non-profit, CBS could, and in my opinion should, have let them do it because it's free advertising. Now, if it wasn't Adam Nimoy and Ira Stephen Behar, Behar, Bear, thank you. Well, that would have changed things significantly. And don't get me started on how CBS have spon- should have sponsored this or even done this themselves in preparation for the upcoming anniversary of Deep Space Nine. Sometimes you have to invest money if you want to make money. And I completely agree where it's coming from there. I mean, it's 50 years of Star Trek, 25 years, which I didn't know about, of Deep Space Nine. Why didn't CBS do it? I'm sure they've done it with other things. I mean, you know, like I said before, Shatner's had his interviews with all the captains and that was probably funded by someone somewhere. You know, the problem is, is that not everything... Licenses are a funny thing when it comes to sort of copyrights and all sorts of things. Basically, you can yeah. be licensed to do something... But there are certain things that other people own the rights of. So you can't always include absolutely everything. You need to get other agreements in place, which requires lawyers and paperwork and a whole heap of other stuff. We get this with Star Trek Online. They are a licensed product of CBS, but there are certain ships or um, things like that that they need other licensed licensing to be in place and agreements to be in place in order to bring that into the game so um it's not always a simple i've got a license from cbs i can include anything i want because certain people created certain aspects of star trek which they still own the rights to and they get money from now what this um, thing um, this documentary is trying to do is to include other things or lots of things to do with Star Trek, which of course could require additional licensing. Um, and it's not just something they can always just get from CBS, I would expect. And the thing is, is who's to say that this is for profit? Um, I know, I think it was Sunseal said, oh, well, they could sell it to Netflix. But we don't know what those deals are. We don't know that it is being sold to Netflix. Um, even um, The Love of Spock is on Netflix, but we don't know that it was actually sold to them. They may have just been given the right to distribute it to get it out there. So, yeah, I see what you mean. Um, but of course, this is one of the reasons why it'd be nice to talk to them, because to find out all these little sort of questions sort of thing. Yep. So if you listen to this, we want you on our show. <laughs> so, but um, as I said, um, 
I'm going to get back to them and see if we can get something sorted, even if it's not with Adam Nimoy and um, um, Iris Stephen Burr. So um, hey, if we can get somebody else behind the project who could answer the questions, then um, or they might just respond um, via email, in which case I'll just read it out. Okay, so like, like I said, stay tuned for future updates of that. Um, moving on to general feedback, um, Chosander the second wrote a really long and what looks like a good general feedback on science by the looks of it, and I'll read it out now. Science just wasn't super popular back in the day. I remember it was mostly just cruisers and escorts when you saw people fly. Science changed heavily over the course of years. We started to slowly see more versatile science ships get released. We got the skills revamp that gave science a lot of love. The temporal operative specialization came out that was focused on science. Science isn't just a corpse to the player base anymore as for why that is i think it was just the devs noticed how unpopular a major portion of their game was and decided to systematically fix it it was something that could be fixed from a gameplay perspective so when i hear cryptic used to say science ships don't sell but now we're steering a whole bunch of science ships what about the kit bashers? Cryptic also said they wouldn't sell. So let's start seeing stuff like the Niagara. I think the two situations aren't as comparable as one might think. How do you fix aesthetics? How do you sell something that just isn't popular? If we go back to thinking about it from a gameplay perspective, we can probably introduce them as super uber ships by giving them good starship traits, console, boff layouts, etc. Would they sell then? I don't know. I personally never touch the ship if I don't like their appearance and I absolutely detest all of the kit bashers that were mentioned. What if the only way to bring these unpopular ships into the game was if the devs gave them really, really good stats and made them as low-B lockbox promo ships, would you be happy that they made it into the game or would you be angry that they're rare and difficult to acquire? The niche of science was fixed when they came up with a plan and initiated that plan. When it came down to it, I'm not entirely certain that they used up any hours to satisfy a niche that's based on aesthetics. I think they'd rather play this one safe. The Nebula doesn't count as much because that ship received a pretty large amount of screen time throughout Trek. It was also sitting there at the intro for Star Trek on the, uh, for Star Trek Deep Space Nine for so long. I honestly caught off guard. I was honestly caught off guard when this subject was brought up in the first place because the Romulan mission explorers don't look like kit bashers at all to me. They're clearly inspired by the Romulan Tyrectical Shuttle and the Vulcan Decrew. Sorry, I can't pronounce them. But kit bashing is something entirely different. Kit bashing is literally just taking parts of the ship, ship kit, taking parts of ships and slapping them together like Legos. Huh. Uh. That's not what happened with these Romulan ships. The Tyressal and the Decryl were used as the stepping stones for the basis of the, of the designs so that the final product is coherent. They didn't literally slap the parts together in the most narcissistical way you could think of. 
And Sun actually replied and said, my biggest problem is that the Al-Kurubai ring what wholly lifted from the decrill and mostly put back in the same freaking position. Honestly, the aesthetic of tech Romulans is is always... I think that's supposed to be of the Romulans. Oh, right, okay, got ya. The aesthetic of the Romulans is and always has been quite counter to the Vulcans. Where Vulcans hold to logic, Romulans embrace passion, flair. I mean, they have a freaking black hole for a warp core. Why are these Romulan ships, Alcuberry rings, not also skewed? Knock it at 45, hell, lay it flat like the Krill does when it launches the T Krill. These Romulans, their designs, their design is meant to be slick, bird-like, and mysterious while attacking and while attaching an upright Alcuberry ring is nearly the most Vulcan thing ever on a ship. It wholly doesn't fit it with Romulan passion. And zombie... um, Sorry. The thing is, the Romulans, in a way, have moved on. Um, Of course, a lot of their sort of design used to be sleek, bird-like, and mysterious. But then that was before everything happened, including sort of new Romulus. So... I could see their design changing. They're a lot more open to lots of things now than their community used to be. They're a very sort of a very closed community now that they're partnering up with the Klingons, the Federation, and they're doing more to actually connect back with their Vulcan cousins. So I can see why that sort of design that they now have could be actually used. So I actually disagree with sort of Sun, to be honest. Well, well, what I was going to say was Zombie actually replied to Sun and he said, I will say this, the ring aesthetic on the new Romulan ship is in keeping with the story point of the Romulan Republic and Detan's desire to reunify with the Vulcans. We are now seeing visible evidence that some steps have been taken to trade ideas and information between the Vulcans and the Romulans has occurred. How much farther the reunification narrative will be pushed in STO, I don't know, but at least we can see that Detan is making good on statements to try and grow closer the Vulcan, the Vulcans in some manner. I just I hope think that this that's will... actually supposed to be how much farther the reunification narrative. Right, yeah. I think that's so, what that's supposed to spell. <laughs> mm, um, yeah, so... <laughs> no, no, that's right, I'm just thinking. <laughs> but it, say, it says anyway, but at least we can see that Detan is, is making good on statements to try and grow closer with the Vulcans in some manner. I just hope that this will open up the Vulcans as a race for the Romulans to play at some point. So pretty much Zombie said what you said. Which yeah. I can see. Um, Alex Wonder in chat has actually said they are not the Romulans anymore. There's the Borg-infested Tau Shiar, the more open-minded Republic, and the Star Empire slash Imperial Star Navy. So yeah, you've got the three factions, but yeah, the ones that we're dealing with and we play as is, of course, the more sort of open-minded Republic. So, 
so yeah again explaining the ship designs yeah definitely okay so moving on um alex wanga said morning good morning tribbles i feel like i should chime in on the romulan vulcan hybrid ships but i've got too much on my plate already so let me just say that i actually like their sticks now that i mention it i actually don't remember a single romulan ship that i would have called ugly wait there's a disclaimer the Talshiar adapted ships are not romulan ships they are hybrids the Scimitar is not a Romulan ship either. It's a Riemann human hybrid. I love that ship. Design, and the less we talk about the JJ universe and the TOS stuff, the better. But enough of that. Let's get going. Event ships. Okay, let's start off by saying that Sun's claim seems to be wrong. Apparently, you don't need the super awesome Happy Fun Time bundle to get a temp op boff seat. The 26th century ship in that bundle. The fav- <coughs> Pardon me. In that bundle. The 31st century ship in that bundle and in their own bundle, the Connie, the Temporal Dreadnoughts, TOS, Fatoon, Neg TOS, Diderot TOS, you know, and the NX Refit all supposedly have a temp op seat. My point is, you know, let's go, let's go back in time. I'm using STO Wiki for this, so if something's wrong, feel free to correct me and STO Wiki. Wow. Delta Rising launched in October 2, 2014 and gave us the Intel specialization. The first event after that was Winter Event 2014, giving us the 46 carrier. And guess what? Lieutenant Intel seat. January 2015 brought us the Comspec and the anniversary event. Oh, look, it's the Kabai Samsa with a Lieutenant Commander command seat. April 2015 brought us the Oconian War and expanded the pilot spec in the primary spec. Okay, what's the next event? Summer event 2015. Ferengi Nadir with Lieutenant Commander pilot seat. What a coin kid. Dinky. <laughs> that was on purpose. I know it's spelled coincidence. <laughs> What's the next spec? Temp op. So next ship. Well, I think we got the Vorgorn ship around that time. Maybe a little too early. I don't quite remember the timing, but thematically, um, you're right there. Do you want me to take over? Yeah, take over for me, please. Oh, right, I'm back. No, my TV just went off. <laughs> Technical issues. Yeah, sorry. So, where was I? All right. So, then, uh, yeah, so you've got the Vulcan ship and... Yeah, I don't quite remember the timing, but thematically that could have worked. After that, the Chell Bolag. And look, the blog talked about a temp opsy until they changed the blog. And the uh, Hukun. Oh, wow. These pronunciations. Would it have made sense to put a temp op seat in there? There's so much stuff that doesn't make sense, so they could have done it. I completely agree, it doesn't make sense. But there was a pattern of uh, of giving us a new spec and then giving us an event ship to try that shiny new spec. So we would be lured into investing money into better ships that offer a particular seat. That was my point. Cryptic breaks pattern 
and maybe they were too generous in the past, but they keep saying how they are so successful and so profitable, and yet they keep getting less generous actions and words, actions and words. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not a doomslayer. This game will last for years, and Cryptic PW will not grant it the honourable death of a warrior. It will slowly fade away into obscurity. Just look at champions, and that's what gets me. This is Star Trek. Any halfway competent company should just jump at that opportunity, pump some money into the team, and let their market department work overtime. STO should be going toe-to-toe with Star Wars The Old Republic. I mean, Star Wars, much, maybe a bigger franchise, but their setting is not the Star Wars. They are set in The Old Republic. And after they went free-to-play, they bent over backwards to try and shove more truth Star Wars aesthetics into the game, just like Cryptic bent over backwards to shove TOS and JJ Universe into the game. I refuse to call it the Kelvin Kelvin timeline. That's why I have so much more respect for Turbine. Oh, sorry, I mean Standing Stone Games. They try so hard to stay within the confines of their setting, and they just announced that they are working on a graphical update for the player characters. So they probably won't go belly up anytime soon either. Edit. I just thought to myself that it might be helpful to mention that Standing Stone Games, pretty much an offspring of Turbine, is the team behind the Lord of the Rings, I think. It says L-O-T-O-R. So I'm, yeah, Lotor, um, Lord yeah. of the Rings Online. There you go. Marketing. We talked about it so much already, but let me throw an idea out there. Pa-ping! Cut some of the dead weight in marketing, hire another community representative or two, allow data miners to do their thing, make a copy-pasted draft saying something along the lines of data mining is not an exact science, take those numbers with a grain of salt, don't worry, I have a feeling that you can do this copy-pasted thing. Other games do it and it seems to work for them. I don't claim that this kind of marketing and employing the help of data miners to create hype community engagement is a form of marketing would be better than what their marketing department is doing now but i cannot imagine it being any worse and since professionalism professionalism professionalism, yeah it's spelt funny because that's the way um Stu thought it'd be nice to have as the title for lark's week show ah okay it's all the drunk (laughs) professionalism sort of spelling (laughs) once you know what it's supposed to be that that is you can see what the word says (laughs) (laughs) okay so since and since professionalism seems to be this week's topic when i said that this should not have taken pw or perfect world a week to post the official delta rising announcement yes do It would have been understandable if the people who went to STLV needed some time to recover, but that's not the point. The point is, A, not everybody went to STLV, somebody stayed home, somebody could have written and published the announcement. B, even if one of the STLV people had written the announcement, they did not they did not decide to make the announcement during the flight or during their stay in Las Vegas, prepare the announcement before you fly to Las Vegas. C, 
The above points show how the devs could have done this work, but it is actually not their job. It's a job for their marketing department. That is what I mean when I talk about dead weight and a severe lack of professionalism. Wow, that's a, that's, that's a good insight into marketing. Um, Delta Rising leveling exploit. Just a quick add-on. You claim that nobody talked about the exploit. Well, that's not entirely true. I may not have known why, and I didn't ask because I didn't care, but when I was playing through Delta Rising, the Delta Quadrant Zone chat was full of LFM Elite insert exploitable patrol system. It was very noticeable, so if anyone at Cryptic forward slash perfect world there is a european team and some of them probably played the game had kept even half an eye on the in-game chat they should have noticed that something was up because that was rather unusual and noticeable from my point of view and i have no access to the almighty metrics console production team um son i doubt that the team was split in half. Sure, you need a few more different coders and a few more Q&A people to port the game over to the console, and you need a UI artist to create the console UI, but the ships are the same and the stories are the same. So, it's pretty much the same content team, the same art team, the same system team. Even now and then, one of them might have helped the console coding QA team, but you don't need to split the existing team in half. Get console started, and then you have the PC team doing what they're doing before, and the port team, in brackets, just takes the stuff and makes it go in brackets on console see when blizzard started out they did a lot of porting work for other companies so that is not exactly new or unusual and that is all the feedback thank you for all the contributors and please 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 keep all your feedback coming in yep as always we appreciate it so if you do want to get hold of us you can do so on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, Star Trek Riser, Player.me by finding us at TribblesNXTC. And you can also email us at hosts at TribblesNXTC.com. If you'd like to leave us a voice message, you can do so using the widget that's actually on our page on the official posts. Or you can actually go to SpeakPipe dot com forward slash tribbles and x to c and actually leave us a message using the facility directly there if you'd like to listen to us in syndication you can get us on google play if you're in north america and itunes you can also get us in syndication on trekradio.net and subspace-radio.net every wednesday so that's it for this week we will be back next week with hopefully some more crew so hopefully they'll be out of sick bay and no longer contagious so until then thank you all for joining us take care
Thanks for tuning in to tonight's broadcast of Triples in Ecstasy, a production of Holosuite Media. Tune in to our live show every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be sure to check Holosuite Media, iTunes, and Stitcher Satellite Radio for our remastered shows and more. You can follow us on Twitter at Tribbles in XTC, or if you have any questions or comments, please send an email to TribblesinExtasy at gmail.com. Join us next week for another episode of Tribbles in Ecstasy, the only place where Tribbles and Klingons are friends.